welcome to the Sports Honchos Radio Show, part of the Go Sports Media Company Radio Network. We're hoping you're here because you've just about had it with everyone and everything else. And you're looking for a pair of good-looking guys to tell it like it is, like it was, and how it should be. Or maybe you've got nothing else to do right now and you just need to waste some time. Either way, you might as well turn it up because it's time for the boys to get in your face, under your skin, over the top, and out of bounds. And now, here are your honchos, Paul Cuthbert and Robert Cuny. Are you McReady, Mr. McCuny? I am super McReady, Mr. McCuthbert. Let's go! It's Wednesday Night Live, baby, time for the sports honchos. Holiday spectacular. All the spectacular sports honchos. Holiday special. Whatever you're writing down in your paper, we know you are. Welcome aboard. Yours truly, Mr. Paul Cuthbert, right here from the great state of New York in the United States of America. And everybody, please say hello to your favorite honcho. My Mr. Robert Cuny, state of Maryland. Greetings and uh, Mick salutations, I guess. Are we suddenly sponsored by McDonald's? <laughs> you Mick never know. <laughs> no. Okay, please come back Mick soon, as Robin Williams said in Moscow and the Hudson. Hey, the first Moscow and the Hudson reference of this podcast in 47 okay, episodes. Here we go. I just got a call from Christy McNichols. Now you go. Ah, uh, I got no. Oh, Mick Lovin. Oh, very good. Uh, Mary McNamara. No, that Mac, is it Mac or Mick? That's debatable. That's Mick that debatable. That is Mick debatable. How about Connor McDavid? Oh, oh gotcha. Oh, very nice. We're very playing the nice. Mick game, everybody. Not a slur on the Irish, just the name with Mick in it for those that are keeping score on the uh, cancel culture. Wow, I think score that's card. all I got. I challenged you, and I think that's all I got. Yeah, I'm out. I got nothing else. Oh, wait, uh, uh, Katie McDougal? Uh, no? Craig, Mc, Craig McTavish. Whoa, Mr. Hockey over here. Look at you. <laughs> wow. No, nah, no, nah, I got nothing. What's the kid on? Oh, McKinnon. Under Avalanche. Look at that. Uh, Boom. Oh, uh, oh this, is, this is troubling. This is troubling. Uh, troubling. Very, very troubling. Hmm. Yeah, football. Come on. There's no, there's no mix. Uh, Steve McMichael. Oh. Defensive lineman on the great 85 Bears team. There you the go, Manimal. Buddy. Wow. Roger McStallback. No, get out of here. <laughs> but I will. But if you're going to talk about Rogers and baseball, Roger oh, McDowell. Hello. Roger, Roger McDowell. Roger McDowell. Very good. Yes. Yes. Shall we go to other sports now? <laughs> no. Wait, get out, everybody. We hope you've enjoyed the uh, the word game honchos. Let's McDowell. Let's McDowell this, as we would say. Okay. Welcome aboard, everybody. What's going on? Happy Wednesday, December 22nd. And for us Christians, it's almost Happy Jesus Day. That's right. And and as we like to say on our side of the street, when it's Christmas time, you're welcome. What movie are you going to, pal? <laughs> uh, actually, we're going to have, so Grace and I, we have our new Christmas tradition Ooh. where we, we veg out to, in, in no particular order, Elf, Christmas Vacation, and Scrooged. The Bill Murray Scrooge, right? Yes. Yes. One of my, those are three, actually my three favorite Christmas movies right there. Elf, Christmas Vacation, and Scrooged. Uh, Me and the wife like, um, um, wow. Oh, um, uh, Love Actually, great one. And the one with um, that uh, Oscar winner. 
Nick, what's his name? Good old Nick, what's his name? Uh, <laughs> Nick McSomething. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure it is Nick McSomething. Nick, Nick Cage? Nick Nolte? Yeah, yes, Nicholas Cage, yes. Nicholas Cage did a Christmas the Oscar movie? Oscar went to Nicholas Cage, right? Yeah, he did a Christmas movie? <laughs> yes. Uh, something about us. Something about oh, us. Uh, I got nothing. Those don't really sound very oh, Christmassy. Well, they are Christmassy if you would watch them. Now, they're, they're not as... Well, Love yeah. Actually does, but I mean... Love Actually is a good one. But, uh, yeah. um, Family Man. That's it. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's Family Man. Hold on a second. Nick Cage Christmas movie. Now, look at this. And, ladies and gentlemen, The Family Man. That's it. Boom. Outstanding. And what's his face? Warhammer's in it. Warhammer <laughs> from uh, MCU ver- uh, Universe, Marvel. Oh, uh, Don Cheadle? Yes, he's in it. Oh, uh, okay. See, isn't that great? I knew if I threw the, the Marvel thing in there, I knew you would get it. Yeah. So the question I've... is, Rob, did you, did you see the yes, new sir. Spider-Man yet? Uh, no. Have you? Neither did I. Let's go together. Hey, sure. Um, I, am, I am waiting uh, for, the, for a little bitterness and little rage uh, to be home from school, then we're all going to go on vacation together with Grace and Caitlin and my mom, and we'll see Spider-Man together. Now, you know how hard it's been with a room full of teenagers every day, who, some of whom have seen it. Some saw it right before it was released on the, the bootleg sites, uh, not Send getting any link. spoilers. Not getting any spoilers. It's been almost impossible. So I can't wait to see it just so I don't have to stress out anymore about it being spoiled for me. It being spectacular? It's, yeah, well, but you haven't seen it. No, and I Who knows okay. I will. Um, I mean, you got that Omicron going out there. Now you can't be in close spaces with other human beings, no. especially no, that, unvaccinated ones. Yes, that aside, I've told anyone who's seen it, uh, if you, all you can tell me is you were there or you were not there. You can't even say if it was good or bad, because saying it was good or bad leads right down the rabbit hole into Spoiler Nation. Hey, are you getting up at 3 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time for the Matrix launch? Uh, Resurrections? HBO Max? No, I do want to see it, though. Um, But I will not get up at 3 in the morning. Although, hey, I'm, as of right now, I'm on vacation. So what else do I have to do at 3 in the morning? But I do want to see it on the big screen. That's another big screen one. Plus, I like to support the local movie theaters. That's just me. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I have a bone to pick here with Mr. Cuny because uh, word has it, um, this guy um, was in New York City and Rockefeller Center on Friday. And uh, he didn't let his buddy know. It was 40 Saturday. Minutes. Saturday. Saturday, actually. sorry. Saturday. Um, proceeded not to tell me. Yes. So he's officially the Swartancho's Grinch because his buddy who lives 40 minutes from Manhattan wasn't invited to come in and partake the Christmas tree and the traditions of New York City. True. I will tell you, who has two thumbs, is bald and boyishly handsome, and left his podcast spouse high and dry this past Saturday? This guy. This guy. Not intentionally. Sorry, but I did. I did. I did go to New York City, and I didn't tell... Paul here, who's a mere, what, 40 minutes away, he said? 40 minutes from the aisle to the big city. Um, But yes, we were there. It was uh, the 14th birthday of Grace's daughter, and she wanted to go spend the day in New York, see Times Square, see Rockefeller Center. We actually did that 
right before the the big shutdown, right before COVID hit, the last overnight big trip we all took was to New York in January of 2020, um, also to see Times Square, Empire State Building, places she'd never been, a place I'd never been. I'd never been to the Empire State Building. And this trip, we went to Times Square again, but we also went to Rockefeller Center. I'd never been there, period, let alone at Christmas time to see the Christmas tree, to see the Saks light show across the street, you know, across Fifth Avenue. Um, and we also saw the the... Peninsula Hotel, which puts up these really garish and fabulous uh, Christmas decorations. You can't even afford to walk into the place, let alone stay there, but you can come and see the Christmas decorations. And we just basically, you know, kicked around uh, Times Square and downtown and then went home Sunday morning. And we stayed. It was great. We stayed in Edgewater, New Jersey, you know, right across the river. Uh, Took a bus right into Port Authority. You know, 30 minutes, $3.50 each way. Don't have to worry about driving your car, parking your car, having something bad happen to your car in the big city. No fuss, no muss. It was fantastic. So, uh, you know, being from down south ways, uh, did you have a good time in the Big Apple? I mean, did you enjoy your experience? I did. And I just, so you know, I just got a text. <laughs> I'm holding up my phone now. I just got a text from Grace telling me that I should have told you. She said, I told you to tell Paul that we were going to be there. And yes, tell Grace she is I love correct. Her. Because yeah. I appreciate that. Uh, well, she's listening out. right now, so you can tell her yourself. Well, if she is, then she'll like this tune right here. Woo! Now, did they play this on your way into the tunnel? <laughs> no, thank goodness. In? It wasn't quite that cliche. <laughs> you know what? You know when we play this song here in New York? After Don't every you... Yankee win, baby. Every Yankee Start win. Start spreading the news. So you like must 90, play it a lot. something of them last year. Well, look, buddy, I'm so glad you came in and had a taste in New York. Uh, you're always welcome back. Thank you. But next time you come, don't call me. Don't call you. Okay. No, because no, you, you had one chance. In fairness, in fairness, I did. Grace, you can call me. I know I'll take you out to some of the finest restaurants, Grace. Me and the wife here will take you out. We'll have a great time. But Rob, don't even bother. Yeah, uh, and she said that she's... Could you uh, imagine she if was, I she was happy. She's happy you played that song. I just got another text. Um... Yeah, I, I, in all fairness, I did text Paul, you know, Saturday night. We were already we already been there for several hours. Of course, not expecting you to rush over and, and meet up with me. However, however, I didn't even get an FU response back from you. I got nothing. Nothing until today, which is, let's see, checks watch. <laughs> four, four days after I, I was, sent my text. I was hey, we're, not, we're, we're no longer in Times Square, Paul. I'm back broken. in Maryland. My heart was broken. <laughs> You didn't even know we were there. <laughs> you told me. You told me you were there. You told me you were there. And uh, it's just not fair because, um, you know, I, I would have, you know, I've just been fuming the last few days, you know, and. Um, no. Well, you broke my heart. I promise if we're allowed back in New York, you know, if the, if COVID doesn't shut everything down again, the next time we're there, the we'll next give you time. Yeah, I told you the next time you're there, then uh, I I don't want to be there. Oh wait, I'm sorry. Let me in in honor of all of those who said this very phrase, Paul. The next time we go to New York, you're always welcome to join us. <laughs> but you didn't let me know. Next time, I promise. Because this and- is what I this is what I was listening to when I found out that you didn't invite me in. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> we can't do that when I'm drinking something. 
Four days curled up in the fetal position. Okay? Once in your life. Yes. Once in your life, your buddy comes up from Maryland. The Rockefeller Center. You know, when you get caught between the moon and Rob Cuny's betrayal, there's <laughs> nothing you can do except fall in love. Exactly. <laughs> the great Christopher Cross. God, is he handsome. Oh, man. What a talent, baby. I thought you were going to play uh, Gilbert O'Sullivan's Alone Again Naturally. I'm saving that for a real dark moment in our relationship. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> that's that song, not a pick-me-up. I know it's crazy. But it's true. Damn true, baby. Damn Wait, true. one more. Wait, let it go. From the great movie Arthur. What's the best you can do? Wait, is Fall in Love? Oh. But do you know who wrote this song? Uh, no, I don't. Burt Bacharach and Carol Bayer Sager. Oh, well. You know what? Two of the best. Uh, of the yep. Best. So, there you go, everyone. We've talked no sports and skewed really old so far. So, yeah. hope you're enjoying I, you know, yourselves. I'd love to do a Yacht Rock show with you. Oh, we don't have enough hours in the day. <laughs> <laughs> We get to start tomorrow and keep going through the new year. Yeah, with your old radio voice. (laughs) Hey, everybody. Now playing. Hey, it's two for Tuesday on a Wednesday. It's Christopher Cross from the movie Arthur. Requested by Mr. Paul Cuthbert on Long Island, who's crossed when his buddy didn't call him to go. That's right. Hey, this just in for the National Weather Service. There's going to be a hammer of a lunch of classic rock. Oh, man. All right. All right. We I'm promised sorry. we would what push we through. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening here? Where am I? All right. So last thing. Okay. Uh, you took pictures in front of the tree, right? Uh, we took pictures of the tree and a video of the light show, but no pictures in front of. There's just a massive humanity there. You can't really get a good picture in front of the tree. So it was pretty crowded uh, pre-Omicron um, craziness? I guess, yes. Now, we did get pictures in front of the, the big tree at the Peninsula Hotel and the, the ceiling decorations, but not the Rockefeller Center Ooh, tree. send us all copies of the ceiling yeah. decorations. Hey, man, it was they were pretty spectacular. <laughs> like I mean, it wasn't show. Rockefeller Center. But you know what? It's, it's, a, it's a Don't tell anybody. All you, for the millions of listeners out there, it's a hidden gem in New York City. If you're looking for... A much less crowded and easier to access Christmas display. You can go there. And no, we are not sponsored by them. Not yet. Not yet. But not yet. we got four episodes left. Yeah. <laughs> well, buddy. Uh, yes, it sir. Is episode forty-seven. It what is indeed us, episode buddy? forty-seven. What do you got for us on episode forty-seven? All right. So as you know, we uh, we like to pay tribute to an athlete who wore the same number. Well, at least until we got to episode, through episode 99, there aren't really many athletes that were triple digits. But anyway, we got a ways to go for that. Uh, today's athlete, who wore it best, as they say, uh, is Jack Morris, Woo. one of a few Hall of Fame pitchers, like Tom Glavin, to have worn the number 47. Now, look, uh, I realize that many would argue, including myself, that Tom Glavin had the better career than Jack Morris. And Jack Morris, you know, He's a Hall of Famer with his 254 victories. He's a five-time All-Star, three-time World Series champion, a World Series MVP, but none of that matters. Because when you say Jack Morris, 
all the first thing that cop comes to mind is the greatest World Series performance, pitching performance ever. Game mm-hmm. seven, nineteen ninety one, Twins, Braves, ten inning, one to nothing victory. And what makes it spectacular, especially in the era of analytics and pitchers throwing, you know, three pitches and being yanked, is Morris at let's see, how old was he at this point? Ninety one. He was twenty one, by the way. I was twenty one. I watched the whole game. 36, at 36 years old, went not nine innings, but all 10 innings. A 10-inning complete game, one nothing shutout. Okay, and and it was just, you didn't know at the time, 30 years ago. You kids don't know what you're missing today. But you're never going to see. I mean, forget a pitcher in the regular season going 10 innings, a complete game, but in the playoffs... With with again with an analytics driven sport now no one no no manager is ever going to uh, let his guy go ten innings let alone nine innings in a clinching in a game seven and Jack Morris later talked about it and said he thought Tom Kelly should be manager of the year that year and he was one of the smartest managers he knew and then the first thing he thought of was when Kelly said he was going to take him out he was like I thought you were smart. <laughs> So I thought you were smart. What are you, stupid? You can't take me out. Oh, I'm sure he said a, lo- a bunch of other things that are slightly more colorful. Um, but there was no doubt in Morris's mind that he was going to finish the game, and he was strong even until the end. So we have a clip here of the last inning that Morris pitched before the bottom of the 10th when Dan Gladden hit the game-winning single. 50 seconds of magic. Yes. Baseball for Mr. Morris. Nin- October 91. From Highland Park. Suburb of St. Paul, Jack Morris. Hometown boy makes good. Down in order go the Braves. And he gets him out. Runner going. Strike! Into the 10th inning we go. Jack Morris still pitching. He gets his 8th strikeout. In the 10th inning. The Twins are going to win the World Series. The Twins have won it. It's a base hit. It's a 1-0 inning victory. one nothing. What a game. Was that, what um, a game. That was Paul Mulder, I believe, touched the bat, uh, home plate, right? You know, I believe so. I think I'm pretty sure it was Dan Gladden that had the winning hit. Yeah. Um, but I'm not sure who hit home plate. What a team that was. Those twins of the late eighties, early nineties. That Ooh. series that series was amazing. It was all defensive it was. pitching baseball. I mean, look at the lineups on both sides as far as definitely on the pitching side, but um, you know, with that with regards to I mean, you had Herb, Kirby Puckett and all those guys. I mean it was um Nabok. I mean it was just it was just unbelievable. Um Nabok was on that team, right? Didn't he win the World Series before he went to the Yankees? He right? might even been a rookie on that team. Yeah, possibly. Um, and then, of and course, on the other side, you had you had Smoltz and Glavin and Maddox. And by the way, Morris in 91, he, he won the World Series in 91 and then won two more with Toronto. So three World Series in a row yeah, for know, old number 47. You know, the 90s were a fun – I mean, look, all kidding aside, being a Yankee fan, obviously the, the second half of the, uh, the decade. But those Blue Jays, those Twins, those were um, – and did the Reds won one in there, right? In the 1990. Yep. Chris Sabo. And the, did the A's uh, win one, too? 
they won the the Earthquake series in 89. They went in 88, 89, and 90 and won in 89 when the Earthquake came. 88, they lost to the Dodgers on the Kirk Gibson in the Kirk Gibson yeah. game. Yeah, that was the A's. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, I mean, yeah, the last I guess you can go from even the Metsies from 86 through you know, the I mean, there were so many great World Series, so many great teams. And and you yep. you make a great point. Like I said, the the pitchers back there, they pitched. Marsh was mm-hmm. amazing. But all those guys, it was, those were just good times. I mean, I was, like I said, we were, you know, our late teens, early 20s. And, you know, back then with no social media, nothing that, I mean, you really, you sat down and you watched the games. And I have great memories. Uh, my folks, uh, I had a studio basement down on my folks and, you know, a buddy of mine, case of Schaefer beer, I think we bought. <laughs> and we watched uh, the Blue Jays win that. Uh, who hit the home run again? Carter, right? Oh, in 92, yeah. yeah off of yeah. Mitch Williams, off yeah, the wild thing. That's, oh, man, the Phillies, they had great teams too, man. Kurt Schilling was uh, the man. Dutch Dalton was on that team. Nails Dykstra after his Mets run was on those Phillies was, teams. So the big guy? who uh, became a good... Um, Kruk. John Kruk. Johnny Kruk, man. I'm getting emotional, man. Those are good times. You know, John, you know the best John Kruk story, right? He was, uh, I think when he was still a player, he was in a restaurant and he was just... You know, a total slob, uh, and you know, eating, drinking, just making a just a big mess of himself. And some woman came over and said, "You know, uh, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. You're a professional, and you're a professional athlete. You should, you know, treat yourself better." And he says, "Lady, I'm not a professional athlete. I'm a ball player." <laughs> he tells it, of course, much better than I did. But yeah, John Crock, he was a great analyst for ESPN. Great ball yeah. player, great analyst. And that great so. all-star game memory, too, when uh, he was up against Johnson. Yep. Good yeah. Stuff. Those, uh, baseball in the 80s and 90s, not to be, you know, old men. Hey, we men. go back to 70s baseball was great, too, man. But I, I barely remember it. But 80s and 90s baseball uh, was great. It was so much better. I don't mean, I don't mean the championship back then. I don't mean the players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't mean the players were better. It's just it was better for me. I enjoyed watching baseball more we in the 80s kids. and 90s. Yeah. We were kids. You know, I'm my, my little guy now, he's just totally in the last five, six months going sports crazy. Yeah. And he's a big hockey fan now, and he's a huge baby. We, I mean, to me as a dad now, I just signed him up for Little League. I'm sure you can maybe remember when your guys were, were younger. Um, but it's a thrill for me. I mean, watching him now grow up brings back all the great memories of me when I was a kid and when I loved the game. You know, yeah. obviously I didn't have the NHL or the MLB app where I could sit on the couch and watch highlights for hours on end like my little guy does. Yeah, but, and that's the thing is. But we loved know, uh, Mel Allen and uh, baseball right. this week and we, all that stuff. The Our access to information was so much more limited. So we it couldn't. on baseball we, cards. Right. We couldn't go the out. Stats. We couldn't go out somewhere, pull out our phone, and say, "Hey, how are the Yanks doing? How are the Orioles doing?" We actually had to watch the games. We had to blow into a seashell. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I don't know what. I'm sure you had something like this. You're you've you're from Long Island your whole life, right? Uh yes. Born in Jamaica, Queens, uh, and then but, yeah, but basically in, a New Yorker. So I don't know. Yeah, baby. So I don't know what you had in New York, but I know in, in D.C. the Washington Post and then our local NBC station had a sports line where you could call and it was just 24 hours. Yes, they would just did. repeat sports scores. You, there was no menu. You couldn't like say, I want baseball scores. It would just, it was like a ticker. Wait. They would just go through all the scores. You had to sit there and wait and they would update it sometimes sort of. 
Uh, and then, you know, you had to get the paper the next day. So you really, if you were dying to know how the result of an event, you were kind of screwed unless you could sit on the phone for hours because it wasn't, if it wasn't televised, I mean, you had no idea. Sports phone, baby. That's what it was called here. Yeah. So, I mean, look, I'm not anti-technology. I think it's great that you can go anywhere, anywhere and check your phone for scores, but but we're glad we came from that. Those times, but it was great to have to watch it. You know, it forced you to watch and really get involved and. Yeah, you know, I mean, again, baseball is great now. The players are great. Not saying that. It's just I enjoyed it more, and you did too, um, when we were, you know, in the 80s and 90s. And our now, now we don't have to drive through traffic. Now we have to spay, uh, spend exorbitant prices for tickets yep. and beers. I mean, yeah. God bless the uh, the parents of today. I mean, I'm getting there. You know, he's my little guy. He just turned uh you know, I'm not. Turning, I'm saying he's he's eight, and he just was able to take the vaccine. We told him we can't take him to any hockey games until he gets the vaccine. So we're getting there now, and in a new year, we're gonna be able to take him. Um, but you know, people who got to take their kids. I was talking to my cousin last week. Um, he remembers when his kids were young and how it was like a thousand bucks to go to a game with you know, two or three kids. Yikes! You know, so it's uh. It's not cheap, man. So when you watch a hockey game or an NBA game, those people that are sitting there, even if they're way up top, you know, it costs money to get in there. The parking's insane. Beers are 18 bucks. Right. You want a pretzel, a hot dog? You know, the tickets are, I mean, even myself, I was looking at tickets here uh, recently, too. I was checking out the Islanders, the new arena, and all that stuff. I mean, 150 and up? It's yep. crazy, man. I mean, but I'm anyway. taking... Um... Uh, as a Christmas present, I'm taking the boys, you know, little bitterness and little rage to, uh, what is it? What is it called these days? The Capital One Arena. Thank you. Uh, to see the the Caps and the Golden Knights. Well, and, that's you know, if hockey it, ever each, comes back. If yeah, you know, COVID willing, knock on wood. <laughs> I mean, you know, it was just for the tickets. Um, it was close to four hundred bucks. Yeah, man. Which is fine. And, you know, and again, you haven't even left your house yet. Yeah, and we have that that that's exclusive of you know parking yep. uh, at the subway station, taking the subway. Uh, you know, I'm going to buy him dinner. I'm going to say, you know, go to the team store and pick out something. It's all part of the Christmas gift, and you know, that's fine. Sports have now become like a once in a while event, as opposed to a hey, what are you doing tonight? Let's head down to the garden. Let's head down to the arena, wherever, and watch uh, uh, watch a hockey game, watch a basketball game, go to a baseball game. It's not a you know spur of the moment thing anymore. It takes planning. Sure but does, pal. we have such nice technology back to technology again. It's so nice to watch it at home, you know, in the comfort of your home, the big screen, the high def, the whole thing. You know, it's fun once in a while, but at least if you're watching it at home, you don't feel like you're missing anything. We you're again, coming down with one more, one more, one more dinosaur rock moment. Paul and I remember <laughs> how hard it was to watch hockey when it was standard definition and you know you're like where, where the hell did the puck go oh there it is i see it now you know now it's easy and high def but you know the good old days especially if you had a little 13 inch tv you know in the college dorm you were like uh, getting real close going i think i see the puck oh there it is you know so good old days buddy yeah so the moral of the story is kids you know you suck there you go yes and, w- and welcome again to episode 47 right of the uh sports haunches all right pal let's get these things going here um hold on the guys are back from new orleans oh super <laughs> time for a very quick edition of headlines yes that make you do lights i'm 
I'm telling just... you, that's like every day these days, Rob. Yeah. You open up yeah. the news feed in your app. Yep. Jesus. But we like we like the the really important news here. But today I have one follow up story and two lists. Excellent. Because it's the holidays, and I know you all like me love lists. So Hold the on. last time. Oh, Not sorry. I don't don't want to step on the uh, the post. It's the Timbali player. Hold on. All right, guys, bring it down. All right. Okay, Robert, proceed, Mr. Cuny. So last week we told you the sad tale of the 900 employees at uh, at oh, Better.com yes. who were given the shit can by our over Zoom all at once, all 900 at once by our pal Vishal Garg. Well, because karma is undefeated, my friends, <laughs> apparently uh, the CEO has – here's the headline from the uh, – from the dailycaller.com report i love when it's report capital letters colon ceo laid off 900 employees over video conference taking time off effective immediately so translation the good folks at better.com were none too happy that the garg man just said to everybody all 900 employees you're done you're Wait, fired so you're telling me they didn't know that i i don't i, I i'm guessing that they weren't too happy with the publicity, I guess, that maybe they knew, but this backlash, this negative publicity by people like us, they're probably like, eh, yeah, I don't know, this guy is bad for business. Um, wow. So I'm just trying to see. There's no... Better.com has employed an outside firm to do a leadership and cultural assessment of the company after Garg's action. Um, yeah, it's just... He got uh, criticized not just for laying off the 900 workers, but also blaming the termination on the employees themselves, saying at least 250 of the people terminated were working on an average of two hours a day while clocking in eight hours a day in the payroll system. Uh, it also has come out. I did some further digging on the Gargman. Um, he Here's some other things he's done in the past. This is firing people en masse, all 900 on the Zoom call, it was not his first transgression against his own employees. Um, let's see, he fired some staffers, or he accused some people he fired um, of stealing from their colleagues and customers by being unproductive. Um, and also, apparently last year he sent an email to his staff, uh, the same staff he presumably fired, uh, saying, quote, you are too damn slow. You are a bunch of dumb dolphins. So stop it, stop it, stop it. Right now, you are embarrassing me. And then later had the town hall meeting where he said to all 900, you fired. So there you go. Uh, Better.com had recruited high numbers of staff during the pandemic, but Mr. Garg reportedly told his staff, today we acknowledge that we overhired and hired the wrong people, and in doing that, we failed. What a nice guy. Happy holidays, everybody. So he's done. He's stepping down, effective immediately, and uh, good luck. And this is what happens when you mess with karma, with the karmic gods. That's a trip, man. And, uh, you know, when I originally saw that follow-up article on that, I, I couldn't believe it. And I hit you up right away and said, are you kidding me? No. I can't believe it. But then, you know, Rob, in these days, uh, not much surprises us anymore, really. When you think about no. it. No. No. Not at all. So. You know, the fact that we're we're in episode 47. I mean, nobody gave us a chance, but it's three. Well, if you had, you know, they'd be done. If you had 46 episodes in the when will they call it quits pool, hey, you lost. 
because we we've we've already reached the threshold. We introduced the episode. We schmoozed for a few minutes. We're uh, you know thirty minutes in. It's a full episode. It's a five inning. We pitched five innings. We're good. That's it. It's a legal books. game. Yes, it is. All right, and I got a couple lists from Google Trends uh, well, for you. It's little holiday list, right? Two holiday lists. It's one of my favorite Christmas songs. Who is the day to appear? I don't know, but a lot of keyboards. Come on. We could have been together if you had invited me to Rock the Center. It's Brian Adams, you knucklehead, you 80s kid. Come on. Sorry. I'll play this in the back while you go ramble on. Thank you. All right. So uh, the first list is Christmas cookies. Uniquely searched Christmas cookies by state over the past week. Now, you have to remember, this is not, theoretically, it's the favorite Christmas cookies by state, but it's really what's been the most searched. But, well, for purposes of comedy, say that these are their favorites. And there's some there's some unusual choices on here. First, we'll go to our home states. New York, uh, Anise. Anise Christmas cookies? I don't know. A-N-I-S-E? Yeah, it's a flavor. Okay, flavor. Oh, what, what, or something like that. No, it sounds awful. Uh, Maryland, Greek Christmas cookies, which I realize that's your side of the street, Christmas cookies. Whoa, but whoa, I've never heard of my side of the street. I mean, I'm oh, just saying, don't, I was going to say, don't knock it until you try it, pal. It's Christmas cookies. I'm saying I've never heard of them. They may be delicious. I've just never heard of them. Um, Maine, gluten-free Christmas cookies. So if you're looking for a place to Christmas, uh, don't do it in Maine, please. Uh, let's see. Ooey-gooey Christmas cookies in Virginia. Sounds horrible. Christmas cookie ice cream in North Carolina. Love it. Nice. Also in South Carolina, because, you know, they copy whatever North Carolina does. Uh, Missouri, Christmas cookie dip. Now that, that sounds fabulous. It's not, Chris, uh, it's not Christmas curry take over the Capitol? No. Uh, Let's see. Washington State. Again, if you're looking for a place, now you have one on either coast. East Coast, don't go to Maine. West Coast, don't go to Washington. Vegan Christmas cookies. Yeah, no, I'm not going there. No, stay away. Uh, Let's see. M&M Christmas cookies in Kansas. Love it. If you live in Wyoming or Colorado, keto Christmas cookies. So those are carb-free, high-protein Christmas cookies. Could be good. Yeah, they probably have a little... Almonds in there and a little avocado. I like it. Yeah, it could be good. Uh, Christmas cookie fudge in Kentucky and Tennessee. Sounds nice. fabulous. Yeah, um, no, and care, Christmas cookie ice good. cream. Again, in Mississippi. Yes. Real quick, buddy. Um, yes. To everybody in Kentucky, we're thinking about you guys. The yes. Tornado, man. Everybody. Yes. We don't mean to make light, which we're not, but, you know, I know they have bigger fish to fry than... Uh, Yes. What kind of Christmas cookies they're looking for? Uh, let's see. In Illinois, chocolate crinkle cookies. No idea. Wisconsin and Minnesota also on the gluten-free Christmas cookie list. Uh, South Dakota, Iowa, keto Christmas. And then I'll finish it with this. In Arizona, again, they may be delicious. It just doesn't sound all that appetizing. Cream cheese Christmas cookies. Well, that's why the Arizona Coyotes won't be there much longer yeah, either. I got nothing. At least they, at least they paid their rent, so they can actually play. Yeah, I like cream the, cheese yeah. as much as the other guy. I don't know. I, you know, I like it on a bagel. I would, I would try. It. I like oh, it on a bagel. Now? Oh, Not yeah. a Christmas cookie. Oh, Christmas cream cheese cookie on a bagel? That's a good idea. No, sounds that sounds horrible. All right, that's enough of that. So, let's see. I'm gonna play a little game with my good friend Paul Cuthbert here. This is the most since 2004. So we're talking in the last 17 years. 
According to Google Trends, the most searched Christmas movies, there are 10. Let's see how many of them you can name. All right, so it's the most searched. Yes. Um, So presumably the most popular, but really technically speaking, the most searched. Let's see how many you can get out of the 10. By the way, I'm just going to play another favorite Christmas song in the background. Oh, Billy Squire, a classic. I remember the MTV video. Especially when you go to Rockville Center, Rockville Center, and your buddy, and you could have called them, but you didn't. Because Christmas is the time to say, screw you, I'm going to New York without you. All right, top (laughs) ten movies, Christmas movies, searched in Google. Yes. All right, uh, Christmas Vacation. Hold on. uh, That's number five. Um, A Christmas Story. Ah, Christmas Story, number three. Uh, Scrooged. Uh, sadly, uh, we don't have. I don't have a buzzer. Not on there. Can you believe it's it? Not on the top ten. Nope. Um, Elf, probably. Uh, number four. Oh my god, this is terrible. I have them all in my head. I just can't think of them. I right. will tell you that all of them were made uh, in the eighties. Oh, I mean, after the nineteen eighties, except for one. A wonderful life. Uh, that's the one. Number ten. Okay. Um, oh, uh, what was the movie? Bad Santa. Uh, no. Really? As great as great a movie as that is, that's not one of the wholesome Jingle Christmas all movies. The way. Uh, sadly, no. Again. Come on, Arnold! Christmas movie. No, no Arnold. No Sinbad and Arnold. Oh, man, that was, that's a riot, folks. Yeah, you got to give that movie a shot. That was hysterical. Um, so you got Christmas Story, Elf, Christmas Vacation, It's a Wonderful Life. You got three, four, five, and ten. How many left? Uh, six. Wow, I don't know if we have time for me to go through six. Let me try and do two more at least. So, okay. um, A Christmas Carol. Uh, sadly, no. What? Especially the one with um. Oh, the you're gonna kick. The you're gonna kick yourself when you hear the one when I hear you hear this list. That I'm one forgetting, right? The one that I'm forgetting. All right, look, just because of time, I, I'm sorry. Okay, okay. okay. So number ten, it's a Wonderful Life. Number nine, uh, Love Actually. Oh, your man, your I movie. Didn't, I didn't yeah. think that would have been searched. Number eight, and I would never have guessed this, Gremlins. No, I don't think it's... Oh, no. don't tell me Die Hard's on this movie. Oh, wait, that's number six. On this number list. seven, The Santa Claus with Tim Allen. We got uh, five is Christmas Vacation, four is Elf, three is A Christmas Story, two, The Polar Express, Good and one. number one, not surprisingly, a movie I also enjoy, Home Alone. The original. Yeah, I watched it the other night. You got to watch it. So, there you go. Those are the 10 most searched. In the last 17 years, the last 10 most searched Christmas movies. Oh, right as the applause comes in. Outstanding. Good job, brother. Thank you. Good list. Good memories there. Great flicks. And try and get his... You know, that's one of the things you try and do. I mean, it's it's a little crazy now. Before Christmas, try and get all that stuff in and watch those movies. But it's uh, a little tradition here in the Cuthbert House to try and watch as much... Holiday TVs. And you know what's funny? I guess they're yeah considered movies. You know, I'm thinking of the old stop animation special. Oh, yeah. All those Rankin and Bass, Claymation, yeah. like Rudolph. They're, they're and, and Well, yeah, they're, they're TV specials. But I, I consider them movies. They're mini movies. They're short films. There you go. Hey, uh, real quick before we move into some actual sports. When you watch these Christmas movies on Christmas Day, do you or the missus make Christmas cookies? Hold on a second. 
Who has time to watch any movies on Christmas Day? You just said you watch as many Christmas no, movies as you can. during the break, during the lead-up and stuff like that. You oh, okay, okay. Christmas Eve, we got Italian Christmas here on Christmas Eve coming up, and then we got, you know, more Christmas Day stuff. I mean, this is just forget about it. There's so much right. food, and which is I'm not eating any of it because I'm currently on a, a diet. But, um, no, we wouldn't. You can, that's, that's, you know, you... Anybody, yes. with, anybody with kids would tell you. I mean, if you ever watched any of the SNL skits, and they have the, they were great the last couple of seasons. Where what Christmas is really like, mm-hmm. you know, um, <laughs> and there it's a rip, and it's just torture. I mean, you know. as he looks around for his I kids, have, are they listening? Yeah, no, I have to say it because you know was, we're going to be up helping Santa wrap, you know, presents until. God knows when in the morning, you know, and then you're up and it's exhausting, you know? And how, how, I know we did that for, I did that for the boys. Celeste and I did that, their mom for the boys when they were younger. How old are your kids? Uh, my little guy is eight. Anthony is eight and um, my daughter Pauline is 12. And so does the daughter know about Santa? Still believes in Christmas, man. I'm not going to quote unquote say. They both believe in it. Okay. Yeah. Let's just say, yes, definitely uh, the young guy. Well, look, I remember and so do vividly, I, pal. So do I. I remember vividly that Santa brought a uh, a Fisher Price easel, you know, for art, for you know, painting and such, for Jacob and uh, Pops. This guy for a, a plastic easel, it sure was a big pain, in the fucking ass to put together. <laughs> and so, right about the time that Santa was supposed to be coming down the chimney, I was hauling my bald ass to bed after spending hours. Trying to put this stupid thing together because he couldn't come down the stairs and see an easel in a box or, you know, half put together. And it wasn't like it had a thousand parts. It was just, you know, plastic. It's not very malleable. It's hard to manipulate hard plastic to put together correctly. So, yeah. So I recall those days. Yeah, we get the last minute voicemail from Santa saying, look, I, I'm, I'm, run, I'm running a little late. Sorry. I'm going to need you to build the dollhouse for me. All right. Yeah. I'm going to need you to build the, the six million piece. Dollhouse, if you don't mind, and no. have it ready by the crack of It's just, just off. <laughs> Thankfully, uh, I didn't have to. You know, thank God the kids never want any, you know, Lego sets like Lego <laughs> Death Stars or Lego Harry Potter. Well, and you're with not all supposed these... to build them. You're supposed to build them after Christmas. That's true, but, you know, you I'm just saying they never, they never want to. you built them before. They never wanted anything. No, but I didn't have to worry about them going to bed and then rushing through it so that when they woke up, it was ready. So, you know. Hey, look for now, all you know, I just I just hand them both a fistful of cash and say, hey, have a great life. There you go, right? <laughs> but for all its corporate uh, origins and everything else, it's it's still a great holiday, yeah. and it's about the kids, man. So no, it is. It is. It's, and I it's also it. about uh, NFL teams getting into playoff position in the National Mediocrity League. And ladies and gentlemen, we are really flipping things on you this week. We're doing some NFL right now, and as always, we'll bring in our two legal, two uh, league experts right now to kick yes. things off uh, our NFL segment right here on the Sports Hound Show's Holiday Spectacular. Al, you old son of a bitch. How you doing? How do you feel about that call today? I mean, the Dolphins, fourth and three play on their 30-yard line with only 34 seconds to go. How do you think I feel? Betrayed, bewildered. This is very exciting. Yeah, it is, fella. Oh, right on, amigo. Damn straight. Damn straight. Fucking A. Fucking A, right. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking A is right, baby. Woo-hoo-hoo. Ah. Look at this, Can you smell it? 
Can you smell that in the air? It's football. Yeah, baby. It's football moved earlier in the showgram, and I'm still full of piss and vinegar. Yeah. We, we, want, we want uppity, peppy, mister. You know, this was a uh, this was handed down by human resources, the front office, and everything else. said, move that football segment up for CUNY. He gets and, a little raw later in the show, if you know what I mean. And we have recaps and a couple pieces of news about the niffle. So, you I'm know, excited, you man. I'm excited. Got the whole thing happening. What is All this, right. week 37? This is week uh, almost, week 15. Now, of you know, there's 18 weeks with a 17-game season. So, <laughs> week 15 is now in the books. And really, this week went way late with yesterday's uh, Rams, Seahawks, uh, Wolfskins, Eagles game. I love Tuesday night football. Well, Tuesday night football is great. It's great unless you play for one of the teams now or looking at a four-day turnaround for your next game. But yeah, and bitch, 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 moan, moan, moan. They can go pound sand. All right. The NFC, three of the four division leaders are solidifying uh, their positions with uh, Green Bay, with Dallas, and even with Tampa, despite the fact that they lost. Uh, Arizona and the Rams, they're all knotted up at 10-4. and four. So that's a real horse race. The Rams have suddenly turned it around. Who knew? Why are you pointing to yourself? Two of those teams were part of my predictions. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I don't care, look, Nostradamus. you the top team in the AFC, right? All right, Nostradamus. Meanwhile, the AFC still up for grabs, and the Chiefs, which we all left for dead by the side of the road, are now making their way slowly but surely. They're now the top seed in the AFC. I spoke the truth. I am the prophet. All right, so let's look at some of the the big games from last week. The Chiefs beat the Chargers 34-28 in Los Angeles. That's right. Look, those dopes. Here's the thing about San Diego. You know how some teams have a culture, and you somehow, some way, just you live up to that culture? New teams, new uniform, new city. Who dis? Well, the Chargers have always had a way, at least in the Phillip Rivers era and now post-Phillip Rivers, of losing close games either through their own ineptitude or through missed kicks or just bad luck. The Chargers in that game had not one, not two, but three fourth-down tries in the red zone, in a compressed field. Then they went for it instead of kicking a field goal. And what? They lost in overtime by six points. That's nine points that Brandon Staley took off the board. you got to stop using the Detroit Lions uh, playbook. You don't want to take points off the board. I don't care. Look, analytics, I'm not an anti-analytics guy. I think it has its place in every sport. But as we've talked about early on in the, the podcast history, Analytics require not just math and numbers and stats and figures and trends, but context and gut, your gut feeling. What does your gut tell you? Stats don't take into account gut. So the Chargers, look, they're in the mix. Right? They're going to probably be in the playoffs, but now they're looking up with the Raiders and the Broncos at the Chiefs running away with it, and you don't want the Chiefs. You don't want the playoffs to go through Kansas City, just like you don't want them to go through New England. Uh, more on them later. All right, uh, speaking of them, and later is now, the Colts uh, beat the Pats 27-17 Indian, in, 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 that's hard to say, in Indianapolis on Saturday Night Football. Isn't it great? We have Saturday Night Football, we have Tuesday Night Football. These the Patriots that you were raving about last week, by the way? Yes. Two weeks ago? Thank you very much. Just to make me look like a complete ass, Yo. the Patriots went out and laid a turd. Now, every team is going to fall to earth. They had won, you know, seven, eight games in a row, whatever it was. They were bound to lose. 
this is really more about the Colts, that a team that isn't getting enough attention, and less about the Patriots. The Colts, look, they have Carson Wentz to take over for the now-retired Philip Rivers. As long as you don't let him, as long as you don't rely on Carson Wentz, who I think went 5 for 12 for like 50 yards in that game, you're fine. Because Jonathan Taylor uh, is just a beast. Now that Derrick Henry is on the shelf, he's the best running back in football. He ran for another you know 150-plus yards. He takes over games. You give him the ball and say, just put it on my shoulders because no one's going to stop me. And for a guy who's not the size of Derrick Henry, he sure does run like Derrick Henry. So the Colts... Good defense, good offensive line, great running back. As long as, again, you don't have to rely on Carson Wentz, they're going to go places. They're going to be dangerous in the playoffs. And Frank Reich is a really good coach. The Patriots, they're now the number two seed. They'll be fine. they got a big, big game coming up, the game of the week against the Bills uh, this Sunday. Yes, sir. Uh, A question for Mr. Cuthbert. Yes, I know, Mr. (laughs) Gentleman, you can't see me raise my hand. Uh, Frank Reich, uh, the name sounds familiar. Um, is that the former uh, Bills quarterback? It is Maryland quarterback, Holy Bills quarterback. Shit. Holy and, shit! And not only let me just here's my favorite thing about Frank Reich. At the time, he led the University of Maryland to the biggest comeback in NCAA history when the Terps beat the uh, University of Miami back when they were winning championships every other year. And then he was also the the guy who led the Bills uh, in the greatest playoff comeback. Okay, so he's yeah, Mr. Right. Comeback, and he knows offense, and he knows how to coach. So, and I'm not just saying that because he's a Maryland guy, but you know, I kind of am. I want to thank Frank personally for beating the Patriots for me. Yeah. So, thank you. The Patriots need to win out and hope that Kansas City stumbles. Otherwise, uh, they're not going to have the number one seed, obviously. And the Patriots going to Kansas City could be trouble. But Kansas City, look, Patrick Mahomes at his best game, the most the I guess not best game, but he showed that he's still Patrick Mahomes. The defense, you know, it, they had been carrying the Patriots on this streak for the most part, except for the two games against the Raiders. The Raiders. Um, I'm not ready to proclaim them as the kings of the AFC, but it's just there's something about them. You can't count them out. You can't. They, they get a standing eight count, but you can't knock them out. So. As the weather gets colder, the year gets longer and longer, you got to knock them out early, or they're going to go back to their third straight Super Bowl. Right, baby. All right, to the surprise of the week, of course, speaking of Detroit, who knew? Dan Campbell. I believe he's on a winning streak now. I believe the Lions have won two in a row. They just beat the Cardinals. Which is, you know. In Detroit. I'm sorry, they, they haven't won two in a row, but they've won two games this year. Two games. So, and not they, they beat the Cardinals and lost the number one draft pick, which will now go uh, to the Texans or the Jags. I think the Jags actually have the number one draft pick. Um, Arizona, as I've been saying, I said something smelled fishy about the Cardinals. Something was not quite right. They're a fraud. They need all of their pieces, all of their weapons on the field at the same time. Otherwise, you can't trust the team. If Kyler Murray's out... Uh, and they go with Colt McCoy, can't trust him. DeAndre Hopkins is out now, uh, even with Murray. Still, without without Murray's security blanket and DeAndre Hopkins, Arizona's a shell of itself. And why hasn't why haven't the Cardinals or any other team said, hey, Larry Fitzgerald, you never actually officially retired. 
you got fresh legs. You've had an all-season to rest. We need one of the best receivers in NFL history to come back and play for us. Why not Arizona, where he's beloved? No one's even picked up the phone. Nor has Larry Fitzgerald come out and said, I'm done, I'm retired. So, uh, good for the Lions, I guess. Only time, I mean, well, I mean, if I, if I may just interject here a little bit. Good for Dan Campbell. We like Dan Campbell here. Yeah, but I mean, you know, how does that happen? How, how do the Cardinals lose that game? I mean, what, what's, what are they thinking? I mean, now, forgive me, is half the team out in COVID? I mean, is no, this, this no, is not a COVID issue. So then explain to me. I mean, see, this I is mean, the problem. This goes back to my NFL pregame predictions, uh, right. preseason predictions. You know what I'm saying? And I had next to every other team in the league except the Chiefs, the Packers, the Buccaneers, Buccaneers, quote unquote, no good. Now you right. said they're a fraud. Now I already said that they were no good. But I didn't think they were going to be this bad. That you, well, this late in the season, big game, yeah, you know, that's true. When you well, got that's the part pack of the playing well, and you, and you know you got the Bucks. I mean, I'm going to throw this back to you, and this is a serious question. It's a, it's, it's. I, I joke around the national media, I believe all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But when you see teams, and even the Patriots the other night too, this late in the season, when you're kind of getting on a roll and you're kind of running, and you're, you know, you're you're running through teams and you're establishing yourself, and you know, if your players are healthy and you're running your game system. And then you, 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 it just baffles me how a team like the Cardinals could pull out a stinker this late in the season against, I could see maybe if they were playing the Vikings. I could see maybe if they were playing the Saints or the Falcons. But the Lions? I just, you know, I, it's, it's easy to say, well, they were overlooking uh, the, the Lions. But, you know, this late in the season, as you said, when you're fighting for your division lead and possibly the number one seed in the NFC, you don't overlook anyone. Football, you know how in hockey, um, no matter who finishes in first, who the best teams in hockey are, there is nothing more unpredictable than NHL playoffs. Yes. You think you have it all figured out going into the playoffs, and then one goalie gets hot and an eight seed makes it all the way to the cup finals. It's kind of like that every week in football. You know, it's it's teams look one team looks really good on paper, and another team looks like the Lions, and then they play the game. And a guy like, you know, Jared Goff has his best game of the season against, a, you know, pretty good, not great, but a pretty good defense. And it just, you know, there is momentum in football is a very, very powerful thing where one team gets on a roll, feels unstoppable. Another team, you know, kind of hangs their head. And that's some of that as a player. Some of that is coaching. And the criticisms against Cliff Kingsbury, the coach of the Cardinals, is just this. It's just your question. If he's really that good... How do the Cardinals go into Detroit, a team with one win, and they're fighting, you know, for not for their playoff lives, but, you know, for the number one seed in the NFC? How do you go in and, and lay an egg like that? You know, and, and I realize it's at the professional level up here, as the great Joe Kibbs would say, you don't have to get professionals to be motivated to play, but you kind of do. You know, your job as the coach is if you see your team, like, looking to the next game, looking ahead, the dreaded look ahead. You know, looking past your current opponent, you got to say, "Hey, folks, we're we're playing this team today. It doesn't you know, matter who we're playing next the franchise week." Franchise has a few championships in its back pocket. Okay, the Cardinals right? Don't. Exactly. The Cardinals don't, and that's you know, the, to just put to, to really take a wider view, teams like the Patriots, teams like the Yankees in baseball, like the Canadians in hockey, the Lakers and the Celtics in basketball. When you join a team that has a culture 
of winning all the time, or at least being in the mix all the time, if you're worth your salt, if you have any sort of pride, you come into that situation going, I don't want to be the guy who's on a team that doesn't live up to that. They have high standards, and I'm going to work my ass off to make sure we maintain those. When you don't have those kind of standards, as you say, when you don't have that kind of culture, it's really hard to get people to buy in to starting that culture. So it's just all those things sort of combine to give you one of these kind of games where you're like, what happened here? And not just, it wasn't like, you know, the Lions won on a 68-yard field goal with time expiring. They, they, they crushed them. You know, the card wasn't even scored until the fourth quarter. I was watching the watching football on Sunday, and I, I kept seeing the As call. As you always going, do, Robert. I'm looking at the scores going, oh, that can't be right. When are they going to fix this? It's got to be Cardinals 17, Detroit nothing. And then, Can you imagine you know, all the people it, put money on the game? Yes. Well, <laughs> there's that too. So, anyway, uh, it, the Lions, good for them. The Cardinals, uh, we'll see you next season. You know, it's just they're not – I. Uh, I'm off the Cardinals train, if I ever even was on the train. Uh, the Cowboys, 21 over to the, uh, six to the Giants in New York. The Giants are a disaster, especially hey, with nice. especially with Daniel Jones out. Well, not as big a disaster as their pals in the next, you know, in the next locker room, the Jets. But yeah, well. no. Uh, as look, the Cowboys, their offense. There's something. There's some kind of monkey wrench happening here. Something. Some fly in the ointment there with Dak. And uh, Zeke Elliott and Pollard and and the you know Gallup and so on, C.D. Lamb, Mari Cooper. That offense, there's something wrong with it because they're not scoring like they did early in the season. I don't know. Maybe I know Elliott's banged up. Maybe Dak Prescott's banged up. But I will tell you, brother, after watching them demolish the Wolfskins, that defense. Now they have Randy Gregory and Demarcus Lawrence and the next Lawrence Taylor, as some are calling him, in Micah Parsons, the rookie. That's a team you don't want to face in the playoffs. When you're at the end of the season, when you're tired and trying to make it through the playoffs, uh, and you got that defense, which has only spent the last two games, I think, two or three games playing together because of injuries and so on, that's a force to be reckoned with, the Cowboys. So look out. Look out. As much as it pains me to say that, look out for the Cowboys. They could actually give the Bucks and the Packers some, ah, some trouble in the playoffs. It. I don't believe it. Sorry. I don't believe it, but uh, I, I'm with you. Okay. Maybe. Uh, maybe certainly the Bucks, because you can rattle. That's the, that's the key to beating Brady. You rattle him enough, and you're going to beat him. I don't know about Rodgers. He's laying Rogers. the trap, man. He's, Brady's laying the trap, man. He's letting everybody think it's uh, and then you're they're going right. to scorch everybody. You would think after 20 years of Tom Brady, we would know. Western, just when you think it's over for Nobody him, he, he sticks it right up, your, your, right up the pooper. All right. Uh, the Steelers beat the Titans 19-13 uh, in Pittsburgh. You know, say what you will about the Steelers and Mike Tomlin. If you look up today and you realize one win for the Steelers over the next three or four games, I think it's four games. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, there's seven, six, and one. In the next three games, is they're going to have a, a non-losing season. Again, Mike Tomlin no, never had a losing season. No matter how bad and how down the Steelers are, they just keep having at least 500 seasons. I would kill for that here in Washington. So would the Pirates. Forget championships. <laughs> forget playoffs. I'll just take a non-losing season in back-to-back years. That would be great. Um, the Titans crush them in every aspect. I mean, whip them soundly, except where it counts, of course, and that's on the scoreboard. Steelers forced four turnovers, committed none, and T.J. Watt had yet another 
outstanding game. Um, so look, the Steelers, they just yeah. keep winning. They're another team. You think they're dead and on the side of the road. And look, they're right there in the thick of things in the AFC North. I know I mean, everybody's everybody. in the thick of things in the AFC. But still, the Steelers should be dead and buried. Big Ben can't throw the ball more than 10 yards down the field. And yet here they are, 7-6-1, and one, very much in the mix as the Browns and the Ravens collapse. Buddy, outside them. of the Texans, Jags, and the Jets, everybody in the AFC. Right. That's a shot at the Chiefs. At the it's just it's 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 awful. Now, uh, the Packers thirty-one thirty over the Ravens in Baltimore. Sorry, Jacob. Um, I was say, how's he holding up? Is he okay, Jake? Is he okay? He's hanging in there, I guess. Right. You know, but as as bad as things are for the Ravens, they don't really get that bad. They're always they always bounce back. They're always in it every year. It's just how Especially far they're going to go. When you're in the AFC, yeah. yeah. So the good news for them is. Well, the bad news, Lamar Jackson was out with an ankle injury. The good news is Tyler Huntley played pretty well. In fact, he was a better passing version of Lamar Jackson. He can He's mobile, he can run a bit, and he's a better passer. So it uh, didn't seem like they really lost a step. They were toe-to-toe with the Packers the whole night. And then at the end, again, just like Brandon Staley in, in Los Angeles, almost at San Diego, John Harbaugh, who I still think – I call him coach malpractice for what he did <laughs> against the Chargers a few years ago in the playoffs where he insisted while they were losing on keeping Lamar Jackson in the game, even though he had Joe Flacco, you know, the, they're, they're one of the best postseason quarterbacks in the NFL with a better arm, a guy who could, they needed a comeback. They needed someone to lead them down the field for a comeback. And they had Flacco on the bench and Harbaugh said, no, I'd rather give my guy experience because he's our future. It's the playoffs. Forget the future. The future is the next quarter in this playoff game. And he let the team lose and stuck by his decision, claiming it was the best for the team going forward. You know what's the best for the team going forward? Winning a championship. Or having and, the ball on the one-yard line against the Patriots and you're wearing the Seahawks colors and your coach no. Carroll says, oh, it's an outside pass. Yeah. So, Thank uh, you. Hart... Two weeks ago, Harbaugh went for the win uh, against Pittsburgh, went for two points after scoring a touchdown, didn't make it. They lost by a point. Here, he was going for the lead, not the win. There was still less than a minute left on the clock. But instead of going for the tie and then hoping to go into overtime, relying on his defense to stop Rodgers, which they'd have been doing in the fourth quarter, um, he went for two again, didn't make it. Packers take over and... The rest is history. So I don't know what he's doing. I don't know why he's he, this aversion, especially at home, to, to trying to tie the game and, and, and go, then going for the win. Well, it's gutsy. Pick. It's gutsy. I agree. You know, he's certainly not a not a shrinking violet, but you're going to cost your team that you've already cost your team two wins because of decisions like these are two potential wins. And you got the best kicker ever. In Justin Tucker, again, a guy that I think is the most clutch player in the NFL, and you decide, eh, we'll just go for two and hope for the best. Why? I just don't get it. Anyway, coach malpractice. And then, of course, we'll finish the, the recap, the whip around with this. The Saints beat the Bucks in a game that looks like a baseball forfeit, nine to nothing. Exciting. That's right. Exciting. The first time in 255 games that Tom Brady's been shut out, I think, at home. Or maybe even just shut out. But it's been a lot of games for TB12. And you're right. The Saints are 4-0 against the Bucs since Tom Brady joined the Bucs. However, 
They are 0-1 against the Bucks in the playoffs when last time I checked it really counts. Look, uh, they're also 0-1 against uh, National Football League officials. Yeah, so in that game, Brady lost uh, Mike Evans, Leonard Fournette, and Chris Godwin, three of his best receivers. Godwin and Fournette gone for the season. Evans will probably come back. Uh, of course, because they're hurting at wide receiver, they welcomed back into the fold uh, Antonio Brown, he of the fake vaccination card suspension. Uh, and and Bruce Arians pretty much said, you know, go fuck yourselves. Uh, we don't care. We need him. So whatever. Go pound sand. But here's the bigger story. And again, it might be laying a trap. Gronk, who's almost automatic. You throw the ball anywhere near him, he's going to have his go-go gadget arms, grab the ball, and then lumber down the field. Brady targeted him 11 times in this game, and he only had two catches. A lot of drops for old Gronk. No one's really talking about that. When I watched that game, I was like, this, this is, what, this is a, a healthy Gronk, not a banged-up Gronk. But again, as you pointed out, laying a trap. Who's left on the schedule for the Bucks? Laying a trap. Let's take a excellent, look. excellent question. I don't have that information at my fingertips. I got it for you. Wait, hold on. I don't think it's too terribly taxing, but it's not a cakewalk either. Well, oh, yeah? All right. Well, guess who they're playing on January 2nd? Who? The Jets. No, that, that's that's Jets, that's who they're cakewalk. playing on the 26th. Who? That's the week four. The Panthers. All right. So they got guess two who the easy last games. game of the season is on January 9th. Who? The Panthers. Panther, Panthers? Jets? Panthers? Panthers, Jets, Panthers. Wow, okay, so never mind. It is kind of a cakewalk. No, it's not kind of, it is a cakewalk. Is They'll cake. get healthy. They'll be fat and happy. People overlook them. They'll probably finish with the second seed. And we're looking at another Green Bay, Tampa Bay NFC Championship Look game. Look for Tom Brady to put uh, any of you betters out there. Uh, the Jets on the second, um, uh, he's probably going to score like about 1,000 points. Yeah, so... Panthers, Jets, that's quite a sandwich there. All right, uh, next week, the big games to watch. Niners at Titans, playoff implications abound. The Titans need a, need a rebound. Uh, Colts at Cardinals. What do you think's happening with the Titans there a little bit? They're looking really, really strong and confident there most of the year, and now they're... Uh, well, they lost Derrick Henry. They look mediocre. So, I mean, they look like a team that, that really needs a good running back. Um, still got a good defense. Uh, Ryan Tannehill is not, you know, he's good, pretty good, not elite. But the, the absence of a running game has really hurt them. Now, they could get Derrick Henry back for the playoffs. There's an outside chance he may come back. Uh, Colts at Cardinals. Okay, two teams moving in opposite directions. Again, keep your eye on the Colts. Uh, only because, you know, I'm a guy who likes rivalries, but this game is going to be a slaughter. The Wolfskins, four days after losing to the Eagles last night, go to Dallas, where they will promptly get annihilated. Um, Ravens at Bengals. Those AFC North games are classic. And the Bengals, again, two teams moving in different directions. Bengals moving up. Ravens moving down. That division is very much up for grabs. Your Rams going to the Vikings. The Rams now have a chance to, have to put their foot on the gas and take over that division. Maybe even get to, you know, the two or three seed in the NFC. Who knows? And don't, don't the game of the week, break. the game of the week, uh, Bills and Patriots. Revenge for the Bills. Maybe catch the Patriots when they're down a bit. Who knows? So These teams all just need wins. So I think if you're a football fan right now, especially in the AFC, uh, you just want blood and guts. Yeah. And, you know, I mean. There's a lot. It's very entertaining, if nothing else. So there you go. There you go. There's your, 
Uh, well done, we Mr. Cooney, as always. A couple and, and very, of... uh, I might say, a little, uh, little, little bumpy and sparky this week. I hey like now. it. I like it, That's baby. right. I'm bumpy. He's sparky. <laughs> um, a couple of quick uh, news and notes. Uh, Urban Meyer, like, in the most duh move ever. Urban Meyer was canned after 13 games uh, in Jacksonville. He joins Lou Holtz, Pete McCulley, and Bobby Petrino as the only coaches not to make it out of their first season uh, in the NFL without being fired. I believe Holtz and Petrino also fired after 13 games. Lou Holtz with your New York Jets like 45 years ago. Um, there's more not to give away the DOTW, but we'll talk more about Urban Meyer's rather spotty past later on the show, Graham. Um, can I, but can really. I, can I pause you for a second? Yes. Um, Kid Lawrence down there, Jacksonville. Who do you think is going to be a good fit for this team? That's a good question. Um, it's certainly not Urban Meyer, a guy who's never known to well, he was fired, be Rob. good with uh, – I'm saying Urban Meyer wasn't the best choice, if nothing else, then his success with quarterbacks is minimal, except for Alex Smith when he was at Utah. Um, they just need, you know what they need? It, they need an adult in the room, a guy who, who knows. They need an NFL experienced coach because they have a really good, a, I should say, a player with some really good potential to be at least good, good and serviceable for many years in the NFL. He's got all the tools, as we saw in college, and Trevor Lawrence. You need a guy that's going to develop him. Or, Somebody who has experience developing quarterbacks. A guy like Frank Reich. I mean, obviously he's not leaving Indianapolis, but someone who has known to be working with quarterbacks. A quarterback guru. That's what they. That's what Frank Reich was did for uh, Andrew Luck his last year in Indianapolis. So I turned him around. He did wonders with Phillip Rivers. I mean, look, no one's going to make a ham sandwich out of Carson Wentz. But anyway, a guy like that is what the Jacksonville Jaguars need. Someone that is known to do things to, to develop young quarterbacks. Or a guy who looks good in a baseball hat and headphones and glasses. And that's you, pal. As a head coach? No, thank you. Come on. <laughs> Life's too short. What? There's a whole bunch of guys in the league who are just, you know, folding their arms and, you know. Can you could you could tell uh-huh. me you couldn't coach the Lions any better? I... I think Dan Campbell's doing a great job. He's certainly entertaining. <laughs> I, I don't know that I have enough cliches in my arsenal I know. to be a head coach. Well, I tell you, uh, before we, you know, we do our last episode with the Honchos, we got to play the, the Dan Campbell. <laughs> I don't know where this is coming from, folks. This, this we're gonna we're we're done at fifty. But yes, oh, if we ever do, it's over. If we ever do a retrospective. Uh, we'll play the Dan Campbell Dope of the Week. We'll pull that out of the archives. I, I think it was my. In fact, I was thinking about that today, not coincidentally, uh, as my favorite of all the Dope of the Weeks that we've done. Um, the last piece of news, and I won't go through all the minutia of it, but the NFL has changed their uh, testing protocols in the wake of all these players. Uh, so many players that have been uh, tested positive for COVID. And the games that have been rescheduled, as we saw, we had two Monday night games, two Tuesday night games. Um, there may be more on the horizon. So they've essentially, again, we don't have time to go into all the details, but they're making it easier to get players who are asymptomatic uh, back on the field. Asymptomatic who test positive back in the field, looking not just at positive tests, 
but also what this new viral load metric, which essentially says how uh, contagious you are if you have it, even if you're asymptomatic. So uh, in the wake of all this, they realized we're making it awfully hard for vaccinated, not unvaccinated. We're making it awfully hard for unva- for vaccinated players uh, to get back on the field. So they sort of changed course on that one. And there you go. That's your NFL, friends. Bravo, Mr. Cooney. I like it. Love it. I like this time of the year in the NFL because we're getting yep. close to the playoffs, which is always good. Uh, I watch the playoffs. And then, I mean, why, why bother watching the Super Bowl? Well, we'll see what happens. But uh, yep. it's winding down. It's good stuff. All right, pal. Um, let's um, jump into a couple of quick hits here on news from the hardwood, the hockey rinks. And there's no hardball information. Well, there's, there's, some guy got hard and flushing. That's yeah. about it. But everybody put your hands together. Woo-hoo. This is weird, huh? Late in the show. Yep. You know, I'm kind of getting moving a little bit here, but I get the juices going here. Yeah. I want to thank everybody who's, who's stuck with us this long. You guys are the best. Woo. Big shout out to the Dean Blundell Network. Giving us some pops there, pushing us out. We miss those guys. They're all in lockdown in Canada. You can't move. You're not allowed to. Uh, you're not even allowed to go from your living room to your kitchen up in Canada right now. You got to stay home and listen to podcasts. That's right. So, uh, all right, buddy. We got a bullet list of stuff here. Uh, start off the firing round. Go ahead. Oh, what do you want to so start? So, I, I want you I, in the NHL, since we start with the NHL stuff, because um, the internet was all abuzz with this last week. Paul Maurice in Winnipeg. What happened there? I tell you, did, did you catch his press conference? I saw the statement that was released. I didn't no, see the press conference. do yourself a favor. Watch the press conference. It was one of the most fascinating things I've ever seen in my life. Just a guy coming out and saying, you know what, I'm done. Somebody else take this team. It's very rare for a coach to resign. It, it, obviously in the middle of the season. Get fired? Right. Hell yeah. But resigning. Get fired, but to say, I'm out? After nine years, I think it was in Winnipeg. I love and, and fairly successful years. I mean, yeah. he was he wasn't a, he was no slouch. No, look, I, I love Paul Maurice. Um, and man, if he if he gets back into broadcasting, he's one of the smartest guys in hockey. Um, I love listening to him. Uh, him and Brian Lawton and even Stu Grimson on uh, NHL Network, uh, fantastic. But um, I I kind of um. Limited to this, not limited. I don't, I don't have the right words. You know, folks, I can't speak. But compare it to if you've ever been in a job and you're ready to quit, you're just you're not feeling it anymore. You know, this isn't this isn't it for me. You know, twelve years of shoveling horse manure, I'm done. I can't, you know, I can't stop smelling it, you know. I enjoyed it, but it's the time yeah. has come. <laughs> you know, but the time has come uh to move it. I'm gonna go, you know, work at a florist shop. You know what I'm saying? It's a life changing yeah. thing. I think that's uh, from what I get. From, I think he's definitely going to be coaching soon again. I think there's something going on on the inside uh, for a coach to leave like that. I I think it's a bigger picture. When when we'll ever find out about it, I don't know. But I I think he was sincere. But you got to watch the press conference because the guys nine years of that media group up in Winnipeg. They eat, live, and breathe hockey up there. You know, getting the Jets back there. Um, when he took over, uh, and then the success, and you got to remember, uh, Dustin Bufflin was there for a while, and then he left, and there's been so many changes. Um, my good buddy, Mr. Liam McGuire, who I do a show with too every week, I think he nailed it too. I think um, he couldn't recover from. 
I think not recover, but the loss to the Canadians last year mm. was was brutal because they had such a good team, and the Canadians kind of came in and you know all this work, you know, and, and the Jets got there close there a couple of years too. Uh, actually, yeah, remember the loss to Nashville. Nashville went on to the to the finals. I mean, he's he's gotten this team close to the dance. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's he's had some good years, and then all of a sudden he's out. Um, I, and I don't know of anything that's happened. Yeah, I can't. I can't. I all I can. I, I really recommend everybody watch his press conference the day after. And as a sports fan, it's. I just thought it was fascinating how he he went through the questions. He tried to explain it. They asked him about the team. He says, "Well, I can't. I'm not going to comment on that anymore. I'm not the coach anymore." Mm. You know, and that was that's the, very telling. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Um. He said, he basically said, um, he knows inside. He loves the team. He loves the organization, loves the city, loves the fans. But he feels that that team in that locker room needs a new voice. And you know, coaches have egos, man. Coaches are big. I right. mean, they're, Paul Maurice is a, he's a badass, man. He's, he's coaching this league for years. And, you know, he's gone from Hartford and then he went into Carolina and then he left Carolina and then Carolina goes and wins the cup. You know, I mean, he's all these different things. But, I, I can't I can't tell people enough. Watch it, but you should too. Just as a sports right. guy, for you know, seeing coaches get fired and you sit there yelling and screaming decisions that are made. The NHL where it's at right now, and you you talk about this this uh, I know the NBA was a little different, but kind of the same. Football and baseball, how they did it was the same. The hockey quarantine summer cup was really difficult for these guys. And last year, a 56-game season, half the season with no fans. He brought that up, too. He was almost like he was saying it was almost like there was kind of just a, a lifeless kind of feeling to be playing such a passionate, emotionate game in front of no fans. Right. So, um, and I think what Liam said was right. I think the loss of the Canadians last year was probably, it probably took so much out of him. Have his have his players said anything about him? I haven't I haven't followed up since the, the decision. You know, I, I watched the press camp conference afterwards. I had some discussions on my hockey podcast uh, about it and just basically what we saw. But I haven't really followed up. I don't even know how the Jets have done since. But then again, I don't I don't even know if they played because everything everything's in the last twenty four to forty eight hours with the NHL has just been insane with them right. shutting down. I mean, first uh, Canada. You know, which is a trip, and, I mean, and we don't have enough time to go into this, and the whole COVID thing and Omicron and the, the testing. But the NHL up in Toronto, Ontario, they were two hours before the game, they, they told the fans you can't come into the building in Montreal last week. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. And now they've, they've, they're the only sports team right now that's shut down. And, um, you know, the NFL's going on, the NBA's going on, and ha, 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 baseball is in a lockdown. It's, it's so weird right now. And, you know, yeah. all this COVID stuff swinging back around. I know we're talking about Paul Maurice. Um, but it's – it's hockey's really been through – they're not the only sport, but I, I think hockey, because it's so – it's so emotional, it's so physical, it's the hardest trophy to win as far as I'm concerned. No, it and is. It, and it's been very weird. Look at what's happened to the Islanders. I think the Islanders is a franchise, too. They're guests. And they haven't been able – I know they've had COVID and they don't know if they've had injuries and stuff, but even as a franchise, as an organization, they're gassed. They get back. They win two out of three of the last games. Boom. Their games are shut down again. How do you, how do you keep stepping back and building and going forward? You and can't. You know, every other team in the league, yeah, they're going through this, but not the Tampa Bay Lightning, not the Montreal Canadiens. Look at how bad the Canadians are struggling this year. Um, 
you know, the Dallas Stars have never been the same since they lost to uh, Tampa in that no-fan Stanley Cup tournament. I mean, By the way, did you hear, speaking of COVID, you hear that, you know, we finally get Nikki Backstrom back, and then he promptly goes on the COVID list. <laughs> yeah. Well, as, I mean, did, as did Evgeny Kuznetsov again. Yeah, so. well, I mean, this is the thing. that The report is is that all these guys are testing positive. None of them are getting sick. None of them have any symptoms because that's the protocol. you got to do 7 to 10 days, so that's right. it. So they, they get, they're going to – I think the NHL, rightly so, a couple of things, and we might as well just skip into it right here anyway. Uh, like uh, uh, Paul Maurice, great guy, great coach. The guy's going to coach again as far as I'm concerned. If not, he's got a job on TNT, ESPN, NHL Network. He's one of the smartest guys in hockey. He did hint. I think he's I think he's jumping on a rocket ship, and he's getting his family, and they're getting out of there. Um, yeah. But I, I do think he's going to coach again. But watch his uh, press conferences. I, I heard that summer before. I should yeah, watch his press conference. Okay, so uh, the NHL pauses right now. Because of all the cases, the positive cases, and now they're they're not going to the Olympics, which I think me and you talked about many times in here. Uh, I didn't think they should have been going there for a lot of reasons. And then once the announcements came out, how China was going to be so tough with the COVID protocols, protocols, and now with Omicron and all that stuff, obviously it doesn't make any sense. I think the NHL has a good opportunity here right now is to let's change what the NFL is doing and look what the NBA is doing too. Um, if these guys don't have symptoms and stuff, I mean – you know, let let's let's keep things going here. I mean, I crazy enough being in New York, Northeast up here too. You were in New York last weekend. I think they're gonna they're making an announcement on Friday whether or not they're gonna have New Year's Eve. I think you gotta kind of move the, only because no, the vaccinated people on a high level and nobody's getting sick. The cases are going up, but the death list, the 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 stats are staying flat. So I think there's something here to to talk about with the the, the uh, you know with COVID and everything else and other stuff. But getting back to hockey, I think this is a good time for them to pause, straighten the ship out, figure mm-hmm. out what they're going to do, skip the Olympics, right. come back afterwards, and use the February two weeks to make up all these games. And that's and that's what the plan is. Um, they're going to still get some time off, but they're going to use this time for postponed games so they have to. I mean. The problem is, as you said, well, first of all, the thing in China, their requirements are so much more strict if you test positive there. And the players are like, we don't want to spend weeks stuck in China because we, we tested positive or over there. So I can understand um, why they don't want to do it. It's not that they don't want to play. They desperately, I mean, you know, guys like Crosby and Ovechkin were looking at this as their last hurrah for the Olympics. Um, but nobody wants to run the risk of, you know, being stuck out there because they test positive. But right, what you said, the NFL rarely ever is a is a, a guiding light on how sports leagues ought to be run. But they realized far too late, in my opinion, that merely testing positive as a healthy, you know, adult who's asymptomatic doesn't does not automatically lead to some sort of super spreader event. I mean. The NFL, all the, the doctors have said, the NFL's doctor, the team doctors, uh, the, 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 the transmission, the chances of transmission during a game are almost none, almost zero. And yes, as you're right, the numbers go up, but the death rate stays the same. We don't know how many of these deaths are just COVID alone or because COVID accelerated a pre-existing condition. So the NFL, the NHL to say, look, we should, for our vaccinated players, unvaccinated Keep the same extremely tight protocols, but for the unvac for the vaccinated, 
They need to figure out a way to get these guys back on the ice and to get these games played. And as you said, to keep the consistency and keep the fans in the building because look, COVID is not going away, nor is the flu, nor is the common cold. It's an illness we have to deal with. Yet another thing we have to deal with in our daily lives. And at this point, we have to realize life goes on. The games go on. People are going to test positive if they're healthy, asymptomatic. No reason not to get them on the ice, on the court, on the field as soon as possible. If you have any sort of symptoms, no matter how mild, see you later. Stay home. Stay quarantined. But yeah, this perhaps this break through Christmas is a good chance for the NHL, as you said, to get together and say, all right, how can we do what the NFL is doing? Yeah, but I think a bigger problem, too, here is the Canadian, the cross-border stuff. I mean, this is that's the Right, and that's deal. what I was going to ask you. You can't – Canada said no games – no cross, no international games. So we're no, the league that. said that. The league but I, said because it. the problem is, is that the government in Canada or the the local government, say in Quebec province and Ontario and Montreal, they're a lot stricter and tighter on this. This we can go on and on about this. There's many things in play here, right? So mm-hmm. Canada's pretty highly vaccinated, right? But I believe. Even down here in the States, too, and I think a lot of people got to keep this in mind, uh, especially with vaccine mandates. Now, I don't know about vaccine mandates as far as the healthcare workers up in Canada, but we all know here in each state, depending on how the government or their governor ran it. So in New York, uh, you, was, you were mandated to get the vaccine, and if you didn't, you were fired. So that reduces your, your, your uh, workforce, your healthcare force. You know what I'm saying? Now, I'm b- being in New York, I'm really glad the way the current governments are our officials are really handling this. They're being, you know, cautious, but they're not panicking, not flipping out, not shutting anything down. I mean, Broadway's got to shut some things down here and there and all that other stuff. But for the most part, you know, when all of us here in Long Island, New York, we're, we're doing the mask in, mask out. Whoever, whoever says wear a mask, we're wearing a mask until the 15th. That's the 30-day mandate. And I think that's okay because we're all able to still go out and do our thing here. Yeah. Um. But Canada is a different story. They were the ones, like I said, I couldn't believe it when they canceled the game two hours before. And the night before, they they said uh, 50% capacity and everything else. Bettman and the guys now, they've got to sit down and they've got to figure that out. Because I don't, I think we're at a point right now with most of the United States and Canada getting vaccinated. And most of the major cities, the big cities are getting vaccinated. You have to find a way to keep your business going. And one last example on that, here in the music industry, too, like I said, the mandates, one of our biggest venues here now, too, are doing, you've got to have a vaccine card. It used to be PCR test and a COVID test, and they'd even give you rapid tests on site. But now it's vaccine only. And I think what's happening here, there's one of two things. I think you're always going to have a small, and te- I'm all, like I said, I've always said this, teach your own whether you want to get vaccinated or not. I'm vaccinated, boosted to me. I'm in the industry. You, you got it. If you want to keep working, you want to keep doing your thing. And believe me, I've played from anywhere from New Hampshire down to Annapolis, everywhere in between, and knock on wood, I was down in New Orleans there two weeks ago, and man, if, if me and Norm, if we were all vaccinated, we were going to catch COVID. It was going to be down in New Orleans because it was, Bourbon Street was nuts. But um, the NHL has to figure out what they're going to do because the Canadian issue, that's where this started, and then obviously everybody else in the testing and stuff. But I, I don't know, Rob, we're, we're all going to just... I think we're all a little exhausted about this. Yeah. But I I think the NHL comes back, and like the NBA, and they are not going to lock down or stop again. The no. The thing is, and- is because the COVID protocol, when you have six, seven, eight top guys 
it's not fair. The Islanders went through this, and you're you're basically playing an AHL team. Uh, the league wide, they have to decide. Look, we're going forward with this, and we're going to have to change our testing policies. And the NHLPA and the players are going to have to agree that if a guy tests positive, okay, but if he's asymptomatic and he's not sick, you got things got to go on. So let me just just a couple other follow ups on that. Apparently. There's only one player in the NHL who's not vaccinated, which is amazing to me. And that's uh, Tyler Bertuzzi. But he's on the ice. I thought he wasn't allowed to be on the ice. Well, apparently not. But he's, he, they have now, the NHL is now going the opposite direction as the NFL. Stricter testing, daily testing now instead of once every three days, uh, even for all their vaccinated players. So again, it's, I it's less. T- I think they're going to change that over the break. They need to, that's what I'm saying. They need to say that's too much testing. You're eventually going to get everybody in that wide net. The other thing is this, and then we can move on to something else. The NHL got out of the Olympics because they've postponed 50 games already. And they had a clause in their contract with the Olympics that they could opt out of the Olympics without financial ramifications. If there was quote material damage to their schedule. That is how it looks on the outside to the Beijing Olympic Committee and everyone else. But really, that move to opt out was pushed and necessitated by the fact that the NHL players are like, look, we don't want to go someplace where if we do blow a positive, we're stuck there for several weeks as opposed to several days. So, again, the reason given was material damage to the schedule because of COVID. And now you have, you know, a two-week uh, break with the Olympics, so they got out. But really, they did it because the players don't want to be stuck in China in a seemingly endless quarantine over a positive test. But they can't say that. That's not a reason to opt out. So Lenin was lucky, lucky, I'll put that in quotes, that they have this opt-out clause for material damage to the schedule. Yeah, I mean, so. if, the, if the Olympics were in Turks and Caicos, the, the guys would have went. Right. Yeah, if the Olympics were anywhere else without so, <laughs> what, such a Byzantine... Uh, quarantine requirement, yeah, they, the Olympics would go on as scheduled. Because they want to play. The players want to play. It's not as if the players are like, oh, no, we don't want to do it. They've always, when the NHL said the Olympics, they weren't going to participate in the Olympics. Many players were unhappy about that, not the least of whom was Alex Ovechkin, who actually threatened to quit the NHL and go back to Russia and play for his national team so he could be in the Olympics. Of course, that didn't actually happen, but that was the threat. You know, They want to play in the Olympics. They just you know, would like to come home. I think they they come back out of this break. I think they're going to be meeting in and around the holiday here, and they're gonna they're coming going to come out with a whole new. Um, yeah. Because this it's you know it's we too sit back wide here a net, as, my friend. Yeah, well, we sit back here as fans and stuff. I mean, it's 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 all part of the. You know, there's a lot of fun going on here in New York with the Rangers and the Islanders and the Devils. So I'm sure down in every NHL city. I mean, it's it's getting back to. You know, the UBS arena and stuff. I mean, you know, the vaccine checks and, you know, people were, you didn't hear about like, oh, 30, you know, uh, 3,500 people came down with COVID cases at the Islanders opener. There was no, there was no case that didn't go up. They've gone, they've basically gone off up since the Thanksgiving holiday Mm -hmm. of everybody flying and seeing everybody and all that other stuff. And obviously the things changing I, I don't freaking know and I'm, I guess you know it's, it's frustrating to talk about but we'll wrap this up by saying I believe and I think you agree that the NHL will and has to change their testing policies and or take the same game plan as the NBA um, I mean the NBA's not even played on ice those guys I mean no. talk about like running and cardio and all that other stuff on, on the court 
That's, I, that's, that's a different I, level. Football I can't too, recall man, a single... Offensive, defensive lines? Yeah, I can't recall a single event, big sporting event, with thousands and thousands of people where that's been a super spreader event, except for a couple, what, soccer matches in Europe? I mean, otherwise, it, it, the idea they'd be super spreaders just hasn't materialized. It's, so, happening, it's, it's happening on a smaller level. Like mm-hmm. people out here are canceling some private parties and stuff. I lost a right. holiday party last Friday. Uh, my daughter's high school got shut down because there was a some kind of party with some kids who I believe quote unquote were not vaccinated, and that turned to spread. And hundred kids were in quarantine. You know, and then they lost a percentage of the high school. Uh, so they a lot, some of the schools. So whatever. But anyway, blah 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 blah. We hope it all works out. Um, yep. I miss hockey. Uh, but I wanted to come back, and I wanted to be better. Looking forward to the, the Winter Classic here and, and, and the push for the playoffs. And hopefully you take the positive out of this. All these teams that have been struggling, the injuries, they get healthy. They come back with a new testing plan, and they make sure that the league can go on. The uh, Canadian governments have to coincide here with the NHL and make it happen somehow. Uh, and that's I think that's going to be the biggest thing, because if they don't have the Canadian government in tandem with the NHL and the U.S. down here, that's the roadblock uh, I see that's going through through things. And this up. is and just one last thing. This is not like the NBA, which has a team in Canada. Yeah, exactly. You're right. <laughs> or or baseball, which has a team in Canada. You're they, absolutely right, man. They a big part of their league and a big part of their league's history and tradition is in Canada. Yep. So it's can't just ignore it and say, Well, we'll just bring, you know, one team and have like the Blue Jays play in Buffalo and Florida and the Raptors play, you know, in Florida. And no. It, you can't. It just can't. You can't shave off all the Canadian teams, especially when the future of the league and Connor McDavid resides in Canada. You can't have their premier marquee player not being allowed to play. They got to figure out how to get this done and soon. So they took a break for the holidays and spend that time wisely. Uh, NHL. All right. No, that's all right, you know enough of that, Mister Goss. Switching over here to uh, some NBA talk. How's the uh, how the Lakers doing, buddy? Um, so here's, Kyrie's back, man. Here's your, a couple quick stories. I mean, look, Kyrie's back because the Nets have like four players available to them. The Nets who made this grand pronouncement that the unvaccinated Kyrie Irving wasn't going to play, they weren't going to pay him to play part-time. He can't play in New York because they're public facilities. He, apparently he can practice in New York because that's a private facility, but he can't play home games in New York, can't play road games against the Knicks, uh, and can't play any games where he has to be vaccinated. So we're talking less than half the games uh, he's available for. And at the beginning of the season, the, the Nets said, nope, you're done. We're not going to we're gonna pay you, but we're not going to let you play at all. Now, with tail between their legs, you know, all hypocrisy aside, <laughs> uh, you know, seven players are out because of injuries or because they're on the COVID list. Uh, there's way too many minutes being put on Kevin Durant. And so they relented and said, well, maybe we were a bit hasty on the whole. We're not paying you to play part-time. He rejoined the Nets and then promptly went on the COVID list. Do, 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 do. <laughs> so, uh, but so great, which is good for us because when Kyrie is playing, it's not that we like seeing him play. It's, we know he's going to say something dumb and we can talk about it. Um, Hey, so, he's my little guy's favorite player on the net, so yeah. I'm glad he's coming back. You know. So he's back. And the other story, um, the Ingleside Lakers, here you go. 16-16, and 16, 7th in the Western Conference. Anthony Davis, shocker, is hurt again, out four to six weeks. Uh, Russell Westbrook is struggling. LeBron is human. 
Uh, not quite the immortal he's been. I mean, he is 37 after all. And look, that experiment with putting a bunch of guys ready for, you know, Ingleside on the court at the same time, getting a bunch of Hall of Famers and squeezing them into the same bag, you know, 16 and 16. Some good, some bad. That's it. That's all you get. Um, and Anthony Davis supposed to be the future of that franchise because long after all those other guys are wheeled into the retirement home, it's supposed to be Anthony Davis's team, and, you know, he can't stay healthy. And they're not leaving him much in the cupboard when all these guys go away. I mean, you know, Dwight Howard is back. Rajon Rondo. All these guys are 100 years old. And again, LeBron James is finally, finally, after 17 years, 18 years, 19 seasons, whatever it's been, starting to show his age a bit. So, there you go. It's the weight of all but, championship you know, rings. But look, with the famous. NBA, no one gives a shine until the Woo-hoo! playoffs. Just make it. Just be one of the top 10 teams, and you have a chance to be in the playoffs. So nobody cares. Hey, real quick, no. last thing. Uh, I know you want to say something about replacement players, but hey. No, no, no. no they're placing, no, they, they, that's a, well, uh, hey, that we got to put our hands together for Mr. Stefan Curry. Oh, the, uh, the all-time leader in three-point field goals? Absolutely. Yeah. Doing it in New York, baby. Yeah. Love it. Uh, no matter how much he tried to do it at home, didn't quite work out that way. So you're not good for him. Look, oh, by the way, the, can't, find a Steph, the game. can't get a Stefan Curry jersey anywhere, folks. Really? No. You, no, can, you, know, in, you can in the Mall Roosevelt Field here on Long Island, but they're like 100 bucks, and not for kids anyway. You know what? Just get a blue tank top, right, in yellow paint, 3-0 and Curry on there. It'll be fine. Um, baseball, as you know, is still shut down. Uh, we got, you know, some news um, on my pal, my good friend, Hold Buck on. Showalter. Who? Who? Buck Showalter. Who's he managing, baby? That's right. Your New York over? Metropolitans. He's taking over. The Amazons. Woohoo! La, da, 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 da. Spend so much money bringing the buck. They don't win when you don't give up. What do you think, pal? Well, first of all, as as an Orioles fan, Buck Showalter uh, rejuvenated the Orioles franchise. How many championships did he win in Baltimore? Listen, it doesn't. Here in Baltimore, remember what I said about consecutive, you know, 500 seasons in Pittsburgh. We take that here. We're just a guy who can win more games than he loses. That's a start. Compared to compared to the draft, we have very low standards now, Paul. This is not New York. But he did take look. He did take the Yankees and the the Diamondbacks to the brink of a World Series title. Handed the keys to somebody else, who then promptly went out and won the World Series. How many parades in Baltimore when Buck was there? It doesn't matter. We're not talking about Baltimore. In fact, there have been no parades while Buck was there because he's never won the World Series. But his teams in Arizona, in New York, and even in Texas, he gets them, you know, close, and then they get that final step with somebody else. Look, he's got, a, he's got a team of older players. The Mets are clearly in a win-now sort of mode with Scherzer and DeGrom and Marte and all these 30-plus players they have. Scherzer's, what, 47? Old? He's, he's way up there. Done. He's one big rush. They need a guy... Uh, who's old with experience, and that's what they have. They were they interviewed other guys who had no big league experience, but the Mets, since, you know, Terry Collins, uh, have not had any experienced major league managers. 
And how's that worked out for him? Uh, not so good, if you're wondering what the answer is. So they bring in a guy who's a winner, who has plenty of major league experience. You know, he's not the most analytic-driven manager, but he's going to win you some games. And look, if he gets them close and then hands the keys to someone who's younger and more analytics-driven, who gets him over the hump, so be it. Uh, this is, but this, after, look, after Mickey Callaway song, man. and Luis Rojas, this is I a hope huge Buck doesn't have upgrade. any skeletons in his closet. It's a huge up. Well, if he's hired by the Mets, there's a good chance yeah. mm-hmm. that there's a skeleton or two dancing in the closet for him. So, you know, it's a great hire. I'm happy. Uh, Pat Sikora is happy. You know, our, our number one Mets insider here on the Sports On shows. Um, so good for them. I'm glad they finally, you know, just like when the Caps, uh, when Trotz left, left, when he was pushed out by Ted Leonsis. What a dope that guy is. Um we had tried a parade before and after trots of guys with zero NHL experience on a team filled with veterans. You know, and and the last guy before trots, Ron Wilson, had he had experience, took him to the Stanley Cup Finals. Trots comes in with experience, they win the cup. I can't they believe have, you haven't mentioned Bruce Boudreaux at uh, this time in the Capitals. Boudreaux. And now he's bringing the magic to Vancouver. But when you bring in an experienced guy in a, t- in a team laden with veterans, you know, like our guy now, uh, you know, it was like La Violette. They finally said, fine, we're going to open up our checkbook for an experienced guy. You know, the team performs well. Same thing here in New York. They need a guy with experience. They got a great manager, at least for a couple of years. They'll probably fire him, and then the team will win the World Series the next well, year. you know Go. what's going to happen for these I, you know, the Met fans, I, you know what's going to happen, right? Or they're going to find out that, you know, he's a... No, the league's not going to come back for two years, okay? No. Oh. And, and then he'll retire because sure, too No, Scherzer will be done. He'll be, he'll be 40, oh. 39, 40. It'll be over. <laughs> That's true. Although, look, as I've said, I said last time we did this show a couple oh weeks ago, God. they're going to come back. Once, once there's a chance to make money, once they have to worry about attendance and gates, spring training, or even the regular season, they'll be back. They're just taking a break. They'll figure it out because. Did you hear about that story where they were uh, knifing the MLB teams, the the the, the Triple A uh, clubs? No, I gotta find that for you. I got I, I, I scantily read it, but yeah, there was an investigation came out. They were trying to shut down all their uh, their minor league clubs. Why well, no? Didn't uh, MLB.com? Aren't they not reporting talking about players and teams because there's a lockout and. Yeah, I saw another story on the San Francisco Chronicle. I didn't read the whole thing. Something about they actually... You know, me a, and you as sports guys who have a podcast, yeah. we should read the article. Uh, I saw the story. I'm like, but we have so much to talk about. I'm like, am I really going to go down this rabbit hole if they had, you know, some balls were different than other balls depending on the parks? It's just, uh, yeah, if we did a baseball show, there's a good idea. A baseball-only podcast, that's the kind of story for it. But there's just so much going on in baseball. Look, none of it matters. The lockout doesn't matter until we actually start missing games, which isn't going to happen. Even even these two extremely contentious sides. We have a five dollar bet. Are go not gonna are gonna get it done. Yeah, I'm gonna oh, bet five dollars that they don't come back this year. No, uh, this year. Yeah. The whole year. Yeah. Oh, that's why. Don't you just send me five dollars now. Because I'm I'm hoping I'm dead wrong, and it would be I'll be very happy to send you that five bucks. But I don't well, think they're coming. I'm going to go ahead and spend it now because I think that's oh, as oh, a surest oh, thing as there is in betting. My friend. 
You said the whole year. I mean, yeah. I, I, they're not coming back. Okay, I think they're back. You know, by the end of January. In fact, Showalter's first game at City Field will be him retiring. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to introduce him as the new manager of the Mets, and he's probably going to go out, bow, and say, "Good night, everybody. I'm retired. <laughs> Have a nice life." All right. Oh man. Well, that was uh, fun. Oh man, can't make it up. Well, good luck, Metsies. Yes. Is it time? Uh yes. Uh, let me get the uh, let me get the drummer out of the uh, closet here. Hey, his personal life it's is his own. Time for the last time in twenty twenty one for the dope of the week. Dope of the week. That's awesome, dude. That's right. The last time in 2021, you get to hear me say the following words. The Gags Gang and I, you remember them, spend countless hours each week in the basement of the Ghost Sports Media Complex to come up with each week's winner. And you can, for absolutely no reward, save for our undying respect and gratitude, help pilot the show by nominating your own Dope of the Week. Use the hashtag D-O-T-W on Twitter at Cuthbert Live, at Bitter and Rage, at Sports Honchos, at Ghost Sports Media Co. And who? We'll be carrying the mythical Sports Honchos Dope of the Week cup around the ice rink of shame this week. That's right. Shad Khan, owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, who allegedly play professional tackle football in the National Football League. Khan, a 71-year-old Pakistani billionaire who made his money off making bumpers for cars and customized trucks, is also the owner of soccer team FC Fulham and professional wrestling organization All Elite Wrestling. He also has an epic mustache, the best in professional sports since Sparky Lyle and Al Habrowski. Khan made headlines last week when he fired Jags coach Urban Meyer after only 13 games. Meyer at the time had a sparkling 2-11 record and was threatening to drive overall number one draft pick Trevor Lawrence straight into the ditch of wasted NFL talent. Make no mistake about it. Meyer had to go. And Khan is not the DOT dubs because he fired Meyer or even because he fired him after only 13 games. No, Khan is the dope of the week because he never should have hired him in the first place. The Jags have had a spotty history since they came in the league as an expansion team in 1995, but since 2007, they have been on an absolute garbage barge of misery. Since 2007, they have had only one winning season with 10 or more losses in 10 of the last, or I'm sorry, nine of the last 10 seasons. Since Khan took over, he has presided over nine losing seasons in 10 as an owner. And yes, they made the AFC Championship game in 2017, but that is a mirage and aberration. Khan is certainly not to blame for the on-field misery, but off the field, he has contributed to the team's woes with a series of bad hires on both the front office and head coaching fronts. So, to recap... When Khan took over in December 2011, he retained GM Gene Smith, who hired coach Mike Malarkey. Both were gone at the end of the 2012 season. Khan then hired GM Dave Caldwell, who hired Gus Bradley as head coach. Four years and 14 wins later, Bradley was fired after the 2016 season. In 2017, Khan reached into his sack of nostalgia and brought in the most successful coach in franchise history, Tom Coughlin, this time as executive vice president of football operations. Coughlin brought in Doug Marone as head coach. The good news is that the Jags made the AFC championship game in Marone and Coughlin's first season. Sadly, 
That was the high watermark for both of them. Marone won 23 games in four seasons and was fired after the 2020 season in which he went 1-15. Coughlin was fired after the 2019 season when the NFLPA warned players not to sign with Jacksonville because of the grievances filed by players that had been disciplined by Coughlin. And in 2020, Caldwell was also given the boot. So, Khan needed a win. Khan needed a win going into the 2021 season. After many years of swooning over Meyer, he finally got his man on January 14th, 2021. After the hiring, Khan proudly proclaimed, this time, I got it right. It's never going to get old for me, folks. Or, Or did he? And I'm going to allow my good friend Paul to play that clip indiscriminately through the rest of this. Sure, Meyer won three NCAA championships at two blue-chip programs in Florida and Ohio State. He also built winning programs at Bowling Green in Utah. However, his wins came with a little baggage. Again, to recap. Under his reign of terror at Florida from 2005 to 2010, 31 players were arrested, including future Patriot and convicted murderer Aaron Hernandez. At Ohio State, Meyer was placed on administrative leave by the school after they found out that he failed to disclose spousal abuse allegations against one of his assistant coaches. He has a habit of retiring, quote, for good from coaching due to health reasons and then promptly taking another coaching job. He did this at Florida before going to Ohio State and then did the same at Ohio State before taking the, taking the Jacksonville job. Not coincidentally, these alleged health scares arose as the scandalous behavior at both schools came to light. He has a reputation as a fraud, as dishonest, and not the most pleasant coach to play for, which schools overlook when you bring home the hardware. In light of Meyer's past, it could have come as no, it, it should not have come as a surprise that, to paraphrase the great Taylor Swift, Meyer was going to Meyer. His misdeeds in Jacksonville during his brief tenure are the stuff of legend. Hiring Chris Doyle as strength coach when Meyer knew Doyle's history of racist remarks while at Iowa. Signing his former quarterback at Florida, Tim Tebow, to compete for a tight end position when he clearly had no business being on the field. The players quickly realized that Tebow was more spy for Meyer than legitimate player. Tebow was one of the first cuts during training camp. Uh, Alienating prominent players such as James Robinson and Marvin Jones, who left the team in response to Meyer's criticism and had to be convinced to return. Not giving Lawrence all the first-team reps in training camp to Lawrence, despite the club's desire to build a team around him, arguing with assistant coaches, calling them losers, and questioning their resumes when most had more NFL experience than Meyer. Not flying home with the team after a loss to Cincinnati, followed by a viral video of Meyer at a nightclub in Columbus, Ohio, grinding away with a woman to whom what? he was not currently married. And lastly... Kicking Josh Lambeau in the leg during warm-ups before a preseason game as he yelled at him to make more kicks, Lambeau has since been cut by the Jags. So, Khan had no choice but to pull the plug after 13 games, which begs the question, what exactly did you get right with this hire? Look, I have no snappy wrap-up for this story, just sympathy for the good people of Jacksonville who now know what we long-suffering, wolf-skinned fans have known for years— The one guy you cannot fire is the owner. The best you can hope for is a scandal. So, Shad Khan. For turning a mediocre franchise into a truly awful one, 
for being the most laughable con since Ricardo Montalban and his fake chest plate, <laughs> and for once again, that was proving that, for once again, proving that in sports, if it ain't broke, keep trying until it is, you are the sports honcho's dope of the week. Congrats, Shad. Your certificate is in the mail. And one more time, who won it? Way to go, God! Thank you. Thank you, Shatner. Oh, man. That was one of my favorite Star Treks, man. Yeah. Well, Mine, too. You know what? Some good news going into the holiday. I am not a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. <laughs> Well, that's good because there aren't that many of them. You could, you know what? It's one of those situations where if you call the stadium and say, hey, what time is the game? They'll say, of course, what time can you be here? <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, man, uh, that is just some, uh, I, I, you know, this, this world of sports, my friend, that we've been covering here for this. Uh, it's wacky. It sure is, pal. And uh, we got to go out with this. Who is it, buddy? You know who it is. Met my own lover oh, in the it's, it's Dan Fogelberg. Yeah, baby. What is it? Out of the old Lang Syne? There you go, man. So, oh, God. I don't think he's signing autographs, by the way. Uh, Dan Fogelberg. Great. You remember the song Run for the Roses about the Kentucky Derby? Ugh. <laughs> and the no, leader I... of the band is dead, but his something lives on. I just... That don't, it's bringing don't back ruin Dan Fogelberg for me right now. I like it's bringing this back, song, okay? bringing back a lot of memories of sitting in my parents' car listening to you know FM radio and its nascency. Those are great memories because you were obviously yeah. on your way to some wonderful vacation with your family, like New York. And I said someday I'm going to be back here without my podcast spouse. Well, pal, uh, well, as we wrap up this show, a uh, couple of words that you want to say. You want to reflect back on 2021? Uh, no. <laughs> no, I would like least, to say this though. Want to say thanks to anybody who listened? As much as we joke about how fifty is going to be our last show, we don't have forty-seven shows without the support of the people listening, without our friends, our family, our listeners, Dean Blundell, the whole mishpucha. Uh, so, folks, thank you as always uh, from the heart of our bottoms for listening. Subscribe. We thank our subscribers. We thank the people that follow us on Spotify. We can't do this without you. We certainly love you. And this holiday season, since we're not going to see you again until, hey, next year, uh, more than ever on these next 10 days or so, be nice to each other. You see Willie Mays out there and his, or his family, give him a hug and say, thank God you're still with us. And give someone a hug. Be safe, be friendly out there, love each other, the whole thing. And, you know, again, seriously, we have no show without you guys. Otherwise, we're just talking to ourselves. We can do that, you know, anytime. So thank you for allowing us to get on the air and make schmucks of ourselves. We appreciate it. And hopefully, you know, we go more than 51 episodes. So 51? Whoa. No, more than 50. 50. Okay, yeah. More than 50. You know, we're knocking wood, you know. All right, pal. Well, look, thanks for not mentioning me at all in that monologue or endologue or whatever. I want to thank you, Rob, for all these 47 episodes that we've done here together. Uh, the time and the commitment that we've spent away from our families, our loved ones, our pets, everything to to look face to face. We promised everybody we would get the video. We never did. 
We're good at breaking promises. I mean, you've gotten a little testy at certain times in the shows, and that's healthy. It's it's to me that's the sign of a that's, healthy that's relationship. That's what we live for. Yeah, well, that's love. All right, let me make let me make it up to you. No, Paul. no, 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 no. Because I have a couple things to say, folks. Oh, okay. You know, if you ever go to New York City and you have a friend that lives in the area, you should probably reach out to them. Just let them know you're going to be there. Give a little heads up. Maybe there's a chance. Get a hug because everybody needs a hug. All they, right? Especially Willie Mays. I mean, you run a podcast for like a whole year. and you, you talked about doing this show for more than that, maybe eight, nine years. And then when you're when you're said asked to say a few things before you say goodbye for the final show of the year, mention the guy that you work with. Okay, you know, well, you know, I, let, me, let me make it up to you. Paul... <laughs> Paul, if you ever find yourself in the D.C. area, you're always invited. Anytime. Hey, you like that? You know, and as, as Renee Zellweger said to Russell Crowe in the movie Cinderella Man, you're the champion of my heart. Oh, that's awesome. There you go. There you go, friend. And as Rocky, Rocky screamed out Rocky won. Adrian, yo, Adrian. Adrian. Can we get yo, one Adrian. more? Uh, can we get one more con just to send folks off into 2022? Or is that already that tape's been burned already? <laughs> uh, I might be able to do it for you. Anyway, no, seriously. Thanks everybody for listening. It's been a blast. It's been up and down. We appreciate some of the nights we've, uh, the weeks we've had to kind of take a break here and there and stuff. And you know, me and Robert. You know, number one, we have a lot of fun doing this. We're we're making absolutely no money. But we love spending time None. with each other, and uh, we, we do appreciate the crew that's out there that is listening and then does get it. And thank you to Dean Blundell and those guys for supporting us. And we do. We look forward to coming back here to do our final three episodes. <laughs> Can, let, me, let, us, let me just re, restate. We are making zero money. Zippy skippy. We don't need so, to because we are loaded. Yeah. We are not doing this because of the massive payday. We are doing this because people seem to like it, and they miss us when we're gone, and we miss you when we're gone. So, and yes, thanks for hanging in there with our not quite consistent schedule, but, you know, it's not because we just don't want to. And, you and know, maybe, life gets in the way sometimes. Yeah, and, and pandemics, you know, you know. when you got to do shows and there's no sports and there's no fans and there's no nothing, but you do it anyway and you just have a little fun stuff. But, uh, yeah, thanks, everybody, so much for... Uh, Hanging out here with the hunters, and again, Rob, thank you, and a, and a big Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays and a, an amazing New Year for everybody. Stay healthy, stay happy, and be good to each other. Please, please, yeah. it's the holiday. It's the it's Andy Williams once saying it's the holiday season, and Santa Claus is coming to town. So, be good to each other, and as always, especially at the end of the year, peace. That was Urban Meyer talking to uh, Shad Khan. <laughs> That's it, folks. You guys are the best. Sports Honchos is out. Enjoy your holidays. Everybody stay safe out there. Thanks so much for listening. Rob, I appreciate all the work you do. Everybody doesn't realize Rob does a lot of work. The, the wraparound, the NCAA stuff was phenomenal this year. The college football. Looking forward to the bowl games. And when we get back, we'll talk about it in our final three episodes in 2022. <laughs> we love you, baby. So optimistic are you. All right. Happy New Year, everybody. Be safe. And uh, 
Um, just around. I, I don't want to say goodbye, but I have to say goodbye. I love you, buddy. Uh, well, before you say goodbye, the shows sound as good as they do because no one's as good on the board with the production and the marketing as my friend Paulie. So we try. there you go. We try. Tell your friends. And so on yes. and so on. All right. Robert Cutie, Mr. Paul Cuppet, your sports honchos are out. Thanks for listening to the spectacular sports honchos holiday spectacular. We'll see you on the other side. 2022, baby. Be good.